Welcome to the Cape Verse Podcast. I am your host, Seb. With me as my co-host is Thomas. And today, we're going to be talking about the new Doctor Who episode, Eve of the Daleks. Um, but before we get into that, Happy New Year, Thomas. This is Welcome to the year 2022. I know, Happy New Year. We are recording this day one of 2022. I know. This will be the first episode of 2022. It's crazy. Um, We've made 12 of these, and this is going to be our 13th. Is this going to be season two? Are we doing seasons? I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess we'll just, we'll make it season two. Fuck it. Who cares? Welcome to season two, folks. Um, what, what are you thankful for this year? I don't know. Isn't that Thanksgiving where you talk about what you're thankful for? Right. I'm... Do we have a Thanksgiving over here? No, we just have Black Friday. But that's an American thing, isn't it? Yeah, but that's the only. Other like we've thing. started doing it, but I mean, but yeah, like we don't have because you know how uh, Canada has their own Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Do we have our own Thanksgiving? No, we don't have anything. Our, our big thing is Christmas, and that's it. Um, Do Americans have Pancake Day? Yeah, they have Pancake Day. Yeah. Do they? Yeah, I, I think anyway. I mean, I I know three Americans, or no, I know more than three. But they, I think, yeah, they they talk about pancakes. Weird flex, but okay. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, they it, talk about pancakes, but did they talk about Pancake Day? I mean, do you want me to message them I'm, right now? Not, yeah, message them right now. <laughs> right, I will message um, them right now. But yeah, so today um, we're going to be talking about uh, the, the latest Doctor Who episode. Um, how did you find it, Thomas? The oh. first. This is the first of three specials that we're going to get throughout the... The rest of the year, Ooh. Uh, featuring the Thirteenth Doctor. That's exciting. Um, it's going to be this one, obviously. We've then got the next one, which we were given a title for, but we can talk about that later. Yeah, um, talk about that later. And then we have the BBC Centenary Special, which is oh, yes. a celebrating one hundred years of the BBC. I'm looking forward to that. And that their centerpiece to that, um, I don't know, anniversary is the Doctor Who special, where the 13th Doctor is apparently going to regenerate, even though we haven't heard anything about who the next Doctor's going to be. I'll be very disappointed if they just go back to a male actor. I think it's just... I don't think they will. Do you think they're going to keep going with the female, or maybe Um, they'll change it? Maybe, I don't know. What what else can we have instead of a female? Not saying that we we need to get rid of a female. I'm just saying what's <laughs> what's what what's, else can we have? An animal, an um, alien. Well, oh no, she is an alien. Never mind. To be to be fair, the Doctor has always like made references about how he can have like anything can happen to him during regeneration, and we've every time Lord we've seen has just looked like a bog standard human. Yeah. Um, but the Doctor made a reference. I think it was like Christopher Eccleston was like. I could have two heads or no head. Like, you can have weird stuff in regenerations, apparently. Maybe. I always wanted them to do something where the Doctor regenerates and has an extra ability. Like... And I thought they were going to do that with Matt Smith, because when he first regenerated, in his first episode, he has that weird scene where he goes... I, I I saw something. I saw. I saw. I saw. And then it like does that weird photo oh, yeah. snap shoot thing. Yeah, yeah. The and weird, then it happens yeah. again in a Christmas Carol, and it's the only two times it happens in his entire run as a Doctor. And I thought it was like a new ability that the Doctor was given through generation. So, like, and they never touch it again. Hmm. Yeah, 
And I think it would be cool if the Doctor gained some kind of new ability. Because the Doctor has, like, vague superpowers. He oh, can generate, yeah. which is kind of a power. He's vaguely psychic. What What other ability would you like? I think it would be good if he could... Fly. Uh, read minds. Not fly. <laughs> <laughs> read minds. I think... I mean, it... Crank up his psychic abilities a little bit. We know we should be referring to the Doctor as she at the moment. You know, I notice we keep on going. <laughs> it's because in my head, I, I still... And this is this is how much of a fucking pathetic fanboy I am. You still see I David still, Tennant? I still see David yeah, Tennant. I still, I'm uh, <laughs> honestly. He's, um, I think it's because I've been listening to a lot of Big Finish audio dramas with the Tenth Doctor in it. And oh, I wow. think that's why. Look at you. So it's... He's, he's like... Besides tonight, he's the most recent Doctor I've been... Um, listen to um, I think we should get into the actual episode now shouldn't we yes um, we've already spent about 10 minutes talking about something completely different from the actual episode but um, um, yeah. what did you think of it uh, first initial thoughts good bad terrible mediocre I I like I, you know what I, I enjoyed it um, I've got a couple passing remarks I suppose a couple things that I'm a bit kind of annoyed by continuity stuff i'm always fucking going on about continuity but um i i like the fact that this just picks up straight after flux yeah it's apparently um, a week after flux i think that's what they said yes well he says last week doesn't he yeah even though they end up in new year's 2021 and it was like the 5th of december so it's actually been from a linear point of view, it's been several weeks, like three weeks, four weeks, whatever. But, but from his point of view, yeah, it's, it's been a week, yeah. which also means they've just been stood around in the TARDIS for a week. Unless oh, yeah. there was a week gap between the end of Flux and then, you know, when he got picked up at the very end of the episode? Yeah. Maybe there was a week in between then and this picks up straight after that. That makes more sense. That makes more sense because it does sound a bit weird of just them in the TARDIS for a week doing nothing, not going to like other planets. It looks like they're just fixing the TARDIS for a full week. That's really boring. Um, yeah. And that, that is, that's kind of what sets this whole story off. The TARDIS was obviously still kind of fucked at the end of uh, Flux, which mm. we actually talked about and we wondered if they'd address that. And straight off the bat, it's the first thing they do. I know. The Doctor is going to do... So, she mumbles some science fucking bullshit. And is like, the TARDIS is going to completely empty all the flux debris, repair itself, and while it's doing that, it's going to be out of commission. So we're going to be on a beach, drinking cocktails and having a good time while the TARDIS fixes itself. Yeah. But instead, they end up in a storage unit in Manchester. Yeah. And um, here's the thing. Do you think the writers understand the scientific mumbo jumbo the doctor says? Do they make it like? Do they fully understand it, or they go, "Well, just put a lot of big words and make her sound intelligent," and we don't even know what is actually happening? They don't understand the science. I. Well, I mean, obviously, it's um, there's no actual science in this. No, the, no, there is science. They it's, use it's big all, high. This, this is all factual and true, Thomas. <laughs> this this I all mean, happened. They, they use a lot of like, they use a lot of like high concept stuff, and I think a lot of the time they just say things to be like to make it sound really smart and really extraterrestrial. Mm-hmm. But I think that I I don't know what it is. I think it might be a mix between 
better writing and the charisma of the actors. But I really feel like the other doctors, when they were spouting off um, exposition, they made it really interesting. Yeah. You know, like the the one I think of when I think of like exposition is um, David Tennant in Family of Blood when yeah, he explains yeah. how the spaceship's going to blow up. Yeah. Um, it's also him explaining the void ship, the way he talks about the void ship and stuff sounds really interesting and fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Capaldi was very good. He had that whole professor lecturer thing going on. Mm-hmm. So there are times where he'd basically look at the camera and explain what he was going to do. Yeah, it, it does make it a bit better when there's a wee bit more acting involved instead of just monotoned reading from a script. Because um, that's what I get with Jodie Whittaker. It's just, I, I don't even... And when the audience don't understand what the hell's going on, then it's a bad sign, you know? So she needs you to fix You said wee that. bit again. And we're going to keep it in, because it's my go-to catchphrase. <laughs> Deal with it. While the TARDIS is repairing itself, mm-hmm. after they get all the bollocksy shit explained to them, um, for some reason, the effect of the TARDIS specifically makes that storage unit trapped in some kind of time loop. Um, which I kind of makes sense. Um, I just wish... The Talos is doing... I mean, you never know what's going to happen in any of this. You're the most confused man I've ever met in my I, life. I'm not going to lie. I was worried moments before hitting the recording button. I was like, shit, do I remember this story? <laughs> <laughs> you are just painful anyway so the um the weird temporal effect of the tardis seems to affect just the storage unit Mm -hmm. um but it's weird right because at the start of the episode and we're already nitpicking before i even fully explain the plot but the start of the episode when they establish the time loop they try and leave through the front door and there's that weird force field Mm mm-hmm but I don't remember them explaining why the force field wasn't at the exit that they went out of the second time. Well, you know, like, how the they end. escape. Yeah. Did they explain why there wasn't a force field there? Um, no, I don't know. But, I mean, there, sure, there surely is a reason for that. Maybe it was because the TARDIS could only reach a certain point point or like a certain distance and that escape that that door that they escaped through um was for, was out of reach of the force field I okay don't know. so I, if I, I generally the don't time know. loop <laughs> if the time loop is only affecting that building and the people in that building then what about the rest of the world is it because well, that's the thing. She gets phone calls from her mum. Mm, no, no, I think because she gets phone calls from her mum, I think it's like a whole world thing. So I think it's like everyone around the world, um, they're also feeling the effects of the time loop. But because they're in a force field, I think because they're in that force field, they're only aware of the repeats happening. You know, everyone else in the world, they're oblivious to it. But because they're in that force field, they're aware of it. Okay, that yeah, I could accept that. I could accept Thank that. You. If Thank that's, you. If that's the case, it's one of those things that maybe they should have explained yeah. in 
this show. This is it's weird, right? They do a lot of exposition where they want to explain the weird science bullshit that goes on with a lot of the stuff. But the actual minutia of how the mechanics work, they avoid entirely. This episode, we find out that, oh, no, the universe is okay. Um, Dan says, well, you saved the universe last week, like we were talking about. So that means, like what we were saying before, is the universe still destroyed? Apparently not, but they didn't explain that. Maybe. Oh, no, because we're only going to get, like, two more specials now. Well, this, yeah. is, this, is, this is the thing that really annoys me about these type of storylines, where it's like, the, the universe is going to end, and then it doesn't end. And then it's like, what was the hype for? What what was that big end of the universe stuff when they're just going to completely ignore it and pretend it, and just ignore it, basically, as they've done here, with that one throwaway line, yeah. you saved the universe a week ago. It's like, well, okay, so all of that before was load of focus poke like it just I think annoys me because you have these big universe ending things beforehand but they feel a lot more like i don't know the payoff makes sense some of the yeah. payoff is dead weak i think that i think moffat and pursue davies have had weak finales before um i think um the finale well actually no i think most of rusty davies finales hit the landing um yeah, I think it, yeah, his his are good because we're still on Earth. You know, everyone was aware that they kept they got back home, um, and they were you know the Daleks were a big thing. The, um, yeah, consequences. Yeah, carried on. I think Stephen Moffat's endings were always a little bit like, um, he did this thing for like the first three seasons that he was running, season five, season six, season seven, where at the end of each series they'd wrap up all the loose plot threads mm-hmm. and be like well we still need to figure this out we need to figure this out we need to figure this out and then the next series would pick up and it's just completely ignored all those plot threads and then at the end of that series it's like well we've still got all these plot threads we've not tied up and then they're ignored at the start of the next series um season seven or series seven whatever you want to call it when they introduced the war doctor mm-hmm. that episode doesn't even have an ending does it know well, just... Clara goes into the Clara goes into that time stream. The Doctor follows her, and then the Doctor picks Clara up, and it's you just get introduced to the yeah. War Doctor. Yeah, and then it just cuts, and you don't find out how they got back. You don't find out, um, like, oh, is the universe okay? How did did the him going inside his own timeline? Did it not fuck anything up? You don't find anything out, and then it's just the day of the Doctor. They really need to work on their. End of the end of the universe storylines. They really, I think maybe that's why they brought Russell T. Davis back because he can do it. The others can't. I think the problem is, I think Doctor Who seems to, it seems to have this um, need to do a big universe thing rather than a smaller character thing, mm-hmm. uh, and. What I like about Eva the Dalek, we've done very little talking about this episode. We haven't even touched. Um, <laughs> what I like about this episode and Flux and Timeless Child is there is enough material there where you could actually explore a character-focused finale for the 13th Doctor for the centenary episode. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's a big special makes me think they're going to do like a big you know, budget feature film type thing where like the world's ending and all this bullshit. But 
because a lot of this episode, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the gimmick, but clearly it doesn't just want to be a time loop slasher film with Daleks. It wants to be part of this arc for the Doctor and the Doctor's relationships, which we got some further information Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And it wants to be part of this ongoing narrative. But because it's so busy doing its time loop thing and spending time with these two brand new characters that are only going to be in this one episode, we still... For the love of fucking God, do not get any exploration between the Doctor and the companions. Only the a Doctor bit. and Dan, yeah, we get a little bit, but the Doctor and Dan still have like they've had like no scenes together. They don't have any moments together when it's just the two of them. And the one time they do, it's basically Dan saying, "Oh, there's something going on between you and Yaz," which I think right off the bat, I want to talk about that. This episode finally gave us some confirmation on a big fan theory that's been going around that there's going to be something happening between the Doctor and Yaz. Mm -hmm. Finally, concrete information. At the very least, Yaz has feelings for the Doctor. Finally. What do you think about it? I'm really happy they finally got the balls to address it. Because in... Was there... Yes, there were some some bits in the very first season of Jodie Whittaker where we thought there was some potential love interest there, um, and there was a little bit continuing on in the other series, um, and there was a little bit in this episode as well, where one of the characters was talking about like the weird ones are the ones to keep, and then Yaz literally turns to the Doctor going, hmm, maybe. And I genuinely thought that was it, that was all they were going to do. I was like, oh, is this still going on? But no, I was really happy that Yaz and Dan had a little chat about her feelings, um, and that how she wasn't or, like, she still isn't um, aware of her feelings. Like, she hasn't fully, you know... She, she's not... I don't even know what I'm saying now. She's not uh, <laughs> <laughs> aware of She's her not feelings. admitting it to herself. Yeah, she's not admitting it to herself yet. Um, and so that was nice to have a lovely wee chit-chat with Dan. And then Dan almost having... She, yeah, Dan had a small conversation with the Doctor, but I thought the one between him and Yaz was much better. But I was overall, very happy they finally addressed it. Yeah, so am I, because, I mean, we talked about a lot in our Fox episode about, mm-hmm. is it just queer baiting, is it, oh, yeah, adre- yeah, is it like, building up something that they're never going to follow through, and they've actually followed through? They might not get together, but the fact that they concretely said that Yaz has feelings for her is, um, it's quite a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that what's interesting for me is that this is the fourth time the Doctor's had a potential love interest in the revived series. The classic stuff barely touched on any romantic stuff between the Doctor and the Companions. It wasn't a thing. The Doctor was a very non-sexual character in the classic series. There was vague hints that maybe there was something going on between the Doctor and Sarah Jane Mm -hmm. that were then kind of semi-confirmed in the revived stuff when she came back. Oh, yeah, yeah. But as far as it... Because she says, like, oh, I think it would be someone else's grandkids now... Mm-hmm. All that shit. But who but are the main three? I the think other three? the other three um, yeah. that are in that have been in the revive series have been Rose Tyler. Mm-hmm. Uh, her and the Tenth Doctor's relationship was like a big deal for the Tenth Doctor over his entire tenure. So perfect. It's just so romantic. I still cry when they get separated. <laughs> like the music. The yeah. Oh, so good. And I think it's it's very sweet that she is the first and last person that 
he sees, or the last human, I should say, because he sees Ut Sigma before he died. Um, yeah. But I think that it that was done quite well, a very romantic story, um, which technically, I suppose, is following on from the Eighth Doctor TV movie, sort of, whatever. Who cares? But... Second? <laughs> <laughs> the second one, and the my favourite, really, Ooh. is the River Song one. Okay. I think that story is so expertly well told. I recently went back and watched a bunch of her episodes in chronological order for her. Oh, right. And it's it's impressive how well her story lines up. Um, there's little things, like she says to the Doctor, like the Tenth Doctor, have we done the Crash of the Byzantium yet? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Crash of the Byzantium was with the Eleventh Doctor. Mm-hmm. So unless River Song just doesn't know what order the Doctor's come in, which I suppose is plausible, um, surely she'd know he's not done Crash the Byzantium if she knows he comes before the 11th Doctor. But whatever. Other than minor little details like that, her love story with the Doctor is actually really well done and quite tragic. And then I suppose the other love interest, kind of, briefly, is Clara Oswald. There's an obvious attraction between the two characters. Mm. Um, that's pointed out. Yeah, it, they're attracted to each other, but they're not like in love with each other. And then when he becomes Peter Capaldi, that all goes away. So, that means this Doctor, the 13th Doctor, from her point of view, it's been a couple decades, around about roughly a hundred or so years since the last time she saw River Song. Oh yeah, and I'm that's a weird way of curious. It. Yeah, because like after the epi- after the Peter Capaldi episode with River yeah, Song, yeah, the, yeah. which is a, it has such a good ending. I, I love that ending. But he becomes a professor in his last season. Mm-hmm. And apparently he's been like a professor since the sixties and everyone just kind of accepts it. It's like a it's like a fun little background thing. Um and that so that's like like sixty odd years and then regenerates into Jody and then Jody was in prison for a couple decades, she oh, says. Yeah. That's so you really need roughly do, you really need to do your Doctor Who timeline thing. Because I'm, I'm, for me, it's, it's like, so, for me, it's, it's like, so oh, that, pathetic how on top of this I am. Like, literally, for me, it's like, oh, yeah, that just happened. Like, that was like two years ago. It's like, no, that was like a billion years ago. It's like, wait, what? Excuse me. <laughs> I actually, I've got some, I've got some more timeline stuff I want to talk about when we get to the Daleks. Oh, my God. Um, but no, that's the thing, it, though. Like, see, when you first originally talked about doing like a time, like a Doctor Who timeline thing, I was like, oh, okay. okay. But when you put it like that, that it does fill in quite a lot of gaps because for us it just yeah, feels because... like oh you know it's been a year since that last season or two years like that's how I like or most fans generic fans would just do it but you know more people like you you have it all planned out <laughs> <laughs> well because because I, I think it, it was Moffat that kind of played with the idea of how long it's been since you've seen the Doctor last because mm. I think it, more or less it was like running in real time for Rusty Davies, but Moffat kept being like, oh, the Doctor's been on his own for a couple hundred years without Amy or Rory or whatever. But anyway, so I'm curious if... Because I think it'd be really interesting because this is this is the main character of the show being in a same-sex relationship or potentially being in a same-sex yeah, relationship. Yeah. 
which big fucking deal, such a big deal. Um, and the doctor is by anyway, um, not, doesn't really have a sexuality. doesn't really kind of depending on who's writing him, but the ninth doctor kissed Jack in like the first series, of the revived stuff. Oh yeah. So, you know, he's not opposed to it. No. Um, so I'm curious to see if the doctor and Yaz, if there, if anything that happens between their relationship is going to be informed by the 13th's relationship with River Song. And if, like, she's still upset about losing her wife. Oh, or yeah. if they're going to get into the fact that maybe the Doctor isn't into women as a woman. Maybe, oh, like, yeah. they're going to explore that stuff. There's so many interesting things that they yeah. could explore, like, identity and sexuality and all I, this. I like, also think... It's 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 going to be a bit odd, say, for example, like the next episode, I don't know when we'll be getting that, but say they do finally admit feelings for each other, um, like the 13th Doctor and Yaz. Um, and I'd ho- hopefully it's not just the, you know, the last 10 minutes that they kiss or something. Um, it, it'd be <laughs> weird to then see, that, oh, yes, they're finally together. And then like the next episode is the centenary episode. Would that be the time that she regenerates or would there be another one? Because my point would be, you won't see their relationship for a long period of time. You're only seeing it for two episodes, max. Well, this is why I kind of want the Doctor to regenerate into a woman. Because mm-hmm. I think it would be really interesting, storytelling-wise, is if in the centenary, they do admit feelings for each other. Oh, so in the centenary. But then, or like the next episode, and then maybe they're together or they're trying to date. Because we we've not really seen the Doctor in a relationship. We've kind of seen a bit of like, oh, the Doctor and River Song are on an adventure, but we've not seen the Doctor and a love interest be romantic with each other. Like a proper confirmed relationship. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Rose and Tenth Doctor doesn't count, does it? No. No. I think they saw, I think they imply that Rose and the Doctor have fucked. (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's not where I was thinking you would go. Be- right, because that's, that's, I, I swear, I swear to childhood <laughs> just gone to shit there. Because <laughs> there's there's a scene, um, and I've always found it kind of mean if it is supposed to be like this. But it, when they're saying goodbye to each other on Bad Wolf Bay, yeah, she is this, says, "Is this in the Army of the Dead uh, or Army of Ghosts?" Yeah. Yeah, 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 that one. Uh, just after when he comes through and he's like the projection. Yeah, yeah. She says to the doctor, "It's me, Mickey, Mum, Dad, and the baby." And then the doctor says, "You're not," as in like you're not pregnant, are you? And then she goes, "Nah, you, you tear. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, it's my mom. She's pregnant." Uh, and the way he reacts makes me think that he thought no. he was going to be a dad. I don't think so. I think it's him going like, oh, sh- is that how fast you've moved on from like our No, because he's because she already said that her and Mickey aren't together. And the doctor has like a reaction where he's like, like, why would he assume that she's pregnant unless maybe they've been sleeping together? And like when they leave the TARDIS at the start of the episode, they're like holding hands and they say they're in love with each other and all this stuff. And, you know, they, they fucked. They definitely fucked. 100%. When they 100%. When they were hot leaving, tech. Leaving the TARDIS with their hands, holding their hands. What episode's that? This is like the start of that story, the Army of Ghosts story. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry, they're know. like going to see her mum, and they're like holding yeah, hands. Yeah. Oh, what did you think I was talking about? I thought you were talking because I thought we were still talking about the uh, at the end the ending of that episode. I was like, they're not holding hands. David Tennant's a ghost, um, but I forgot you were talking about the beginning, What's like the very it? very beginning. Um, I don't know. I I mean, I mean the all of that to say is that the Doctor fucks. That's. <laughs> Like, <laughs> the Doctor. <laughs> you know what? That's what season two should have been called. You know, we're going like Doctor Who The flops. Doctor Fox. The Doctor Who. The Doctor Fox. But that's the thing that the Empty Child two-parter, the second episode of that is called The Doctor Dances. And they use the term dance, meaning sex. Yeah. And Rose Tyler, it's like, a, there's like a little fucking love triangle between the Doctor, Rose and Captain Jack. And she says, he reminds me a lot about you but with dancing and stuff, and he's offended, and he's all like, you just think I don't dance? And she's like, oh, dear? And it's it's a metaphor for sex. And then he's like, yes. I, he's basically saying, yes, Rose, I do fuck. <laughs> I'm an alien. I fucked before. He's had kids. Yeah. It's 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 a whole, it's a thing, clearly, <laughs> right? So it's it's been like in the background. It's not been a major detail, right? Mm-hmm. Even his relationship with River Song, which I think he's done really well, you don't get to see a lot of it. You hear about a lot of stuff, but you never see them to be romantic with each other. So I think it would be fascinating if this, if the next two episodes that we're going to get with the 13th Doctor actually explore how she feels about romance and other people and relationships and all that shit. Because I don't want it to end where, the Yaz, where Yaz is like, Oh, I'm. I've, I've got feelings for you, and she's like, "Oh, we can't be together because I'm an alien." Blah blah blah. And then Yaz dies, or the Doctor regenerates, and they part ways. It'd be so anticlimactic. I think it'd be so interesting if they actually just go, they're in a relationship, and we're gonna see exactly how these two characters feel about that, and how the Doctor responds to dating someone or being with someone new after everything that happened with River Song, <clears throat> because you barely get any reflection on Rose Tyler. The mm. minute the Doctor regenerates, That's she's mentioned it. once. Yeah. Where the Matt Smith Doctor says, I can help Rose Tyler with her homework, blah, blah, blah. But there's no acknowledgement of how he used to feel. Mm-hmm. That just disappears. You know what would be cool is if Yaz and Doctor, you know, they get into a relationship, and I don't know if it's a full episode they're in a relationship, or I don't know, but their confirmed relationship and then the doctor does regenerate and then like the next season could like carry on with that relationship and like maybe something about how Yaz is is it maybe it's still a woman you know and and Yaz is like oh I, I don't know you're like I know you're the same person you have the same memories but you look different and everything and that could be something they could explore because I don't think they've ever had a continued relationship with two different doctors that could be something they could look at because they always make the, a big well, deal that you know well, I'm the same person. I still have all my memories. I just look different, you know. Um, Interestingly, Stephen Moffat was more about, like, the idea of the Doctor. So River Song was kind of in love with that idea, no matter what face the Doctor was wearing. Whereas Rusty Davies was more focused on each Doctor as an individual and identity, not just memory, but identity is kind of important. So again, the Family of Blood episode... The Doctor goes to the nurse after he's become the Doctor again and left John Smith behind. He goes to the nurse and he's like, we can try again. 
you know mm. like everything that he was to you i am capable of like i'd like to try again and she's like no you're not him you don't have those memories you don't have that experience you don't have that personality you look too much like him it's too painful for me and plus you're kind of responsible for a lot of people's death so it's it's clear the doctor being like no i i i'm open to the idea of a relationship from kind of a cold point of view and her going no you're completely different person mm-hmm. and even when the doctor was dying the 10th doctor i mean um he has that speech to wolf where he's like everything i am dies and people always say oh the doctor shouldn't be petty like he still gets to exist he still gets to live on but the doctor isn't the same person every time he generates he's technically the same person um they have all the same memories but every time the doctor changes his personality change the people he mm-hmm. likes changes relationships change dynamics change it happened with clara and yeah. it happened with rose the minute he became matt smith's doctor that love and affection for rose disappeared the doctor wasn't torn up about it anymore and i think it'd be really fitting if rosie davies carried on those kind of themes with a new doctor who technically is in a relationship with another woman but they but has changed a lot you know Yaz fell in love with the 13th Doctor, but maybe the 14th Doctor is very different. It's the same yeah. person, but different personality. And you could explore how that relationship works, doesn't work, how it breaks down. Maybe it's better. Maybe that's what pushes Yaz away from leaving because she can't travel with the Doctor forever. Maybe oh, that's yeah. why Yaz leaves because she falls in love with the Doctor, but the Doctor changes. She can't cope with how she's different yeah. and has to leave. I don't know. I think I'd. I just hope it's something interesting and something that you get to explore the actual yeah. character of the Doctor with, yeah. rather than just a kiss and then they die. Yeah, and like you know, different Doctor, we're doing a whole refresh of the series. You know, carry on. You know, <laughs> we've spent three, four years teasing a relationship between the Doctor and Yaz, and the minute it gets confirmed. Boom! Reset. reset, reset the board, and, all, all we, and you know what? All we get will, will probably be a little hug. You know, they get a little hug, going like, "I love you, I love you too." They hug, and then that's it. They don't even kiss. Be something like bullshit I, like that, you know. But that's the thing. Like Yaz says that you know she's got feelings for the doctor, which I, 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 it's I find it. I'd like to see more about how she feels from her point of view. Because we've not had any mention of Yaz being bi or being into girls at all. She's talked about more boys that she's dated. Um, So this would be a big deal for her if she's learning more about herself. And I'd like to see how she feels about that. And we get a bit of that in this episode where she's crying to Dan. And I found that really great. And in classic Chibnall fashion, that emotional moment gets undercut with science fiction bullshit. With a Dalek appearing behind Dan. <laughs> it's just like, literally, yeah, she starts turn crying. Up out of nowhere. <laughs> I swear, she literally just starts crying. And, like, you see, like, both her eyes are watering up and, like, tears are falling down both sides of her face. And then it's like, oh, no, Daleks are back. It's like, no, explore it more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, literally. And so, so I, I really hope and this is kind of my issue with Doctor Who, or at least Chris Chibnall's Doctor Who. The big, overcomplicated plot always takes forefront, and you get very little character development. You'll get a bit at the start, a bit at the end. Same happened with Flux. Mm-hmm. At the start of Flux, 
the Doctor and Yaz are having problems with their relationship. And by the end of Flux, they're like, oh no, we fixed our problems now, we're, we're better now. But throughout the middle of Flux, those two people have very little interactions with each other. Yeah, it's, it's a bit upsetting, you know? This is, this is what I mean with the science mumbo-jumbo stuff. Like, I don't get it. Why but it's, should they it's not, delve I'm not it? even just talking about, I'm not even just talking about, like, the exposition and the, the kind of, like, the jargon they use. I'm talking about the fact that, like, they focus more on the plot and the new one-off side characters introduced than they do their main character's actual character development. Yaz, as a character, has been so poorly underwritten compared to previous um, companions to the point where this season... Flux, I mean, because this is technically just... It still feels like it's part of Flux. This season, they just went, yeah, she's not a police officer anymore because we couldn't find a way to make that relevant. Oh, we yeah. couldn't <laughs> actually think of a way to make that stuff interesting. You know, the whole episode of Can You Hear Me has a, a sub-narrative where Yaz was apparently dealing with mental health issues and potentially was suicidal. Oh, yeah, I remember we talked about this, yeah. And that never comes up. I don't even think she tells her other companions about it. She goes and speaks to like a police officer who helped her out, who has nothing. That whole story is completely separate from her relationship to the other characters that she spends most of her time with. The doctor that she's in love with, or has feelings for at the very least, knows nothing about her mental health trauma. Knows nothing about her past or anything like that. You know, what was so sweet about the Tenth Doctor and the Rose relationship is that you saw his relationship with her mother and he felt like part of the family. This one... It's so out of place. It seems that the Doctor is constantly trying to distract herself so she doesn't spend time with the companions. There's a bit in this episode where Yaz goes, can you just stop leaving us, please? Because that's what she does. Every episode, the Doctor just leaves the companions. Yeah. It's, it's... I'd be very surprised. I hope it happens. I hope that they explore this relationship. But I'd be very... I think it, I, it would make more sense to me if the Doctor turned around and was like, yes, I don't feel the same way because I barely know who you are. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think they're going to go down that route because, you know, with the conversation Dan and the Doctor had, you know, and, and the, look at, the look the Doctor gives to Yaz at the end of the episode, you know, maybe she also has feelings. Maybe maybe we'll we'll get all this closure I... when they're in a relationship, you know? They're in a relationship, and then they get to learn all about how she almost committed suicide and how she's depressed, you know? <laughs> maybe that's explored in the I got the impression... <laughs> I got the impression from her conversation with Dan and the look she gives Yaz is that she doesn't feel the same way. Oh, she's worried. But she's worried that if she tells Yaz that, Yaz will stop traveling with her and the doctor doesn't want to be on her own. Oh. Which I think would also be interesting. Oh, but now that you've mentioned that, oh, I could go both Because I think ah. one of the few sort of through lines that this doctor has had as like a character trait is that she seems way more insecure about being on her own. But in, in other episodes, you know, that she's gone into. Well, it's like, oh, like, yeah, like the Matt Smith's doctor, like we talked yeah. about. Matt Smith's doctor would just go off traveling on his own, same with Peter Capaldi. But for some reason, this doctor is much more, doesn't like having to say goodbye. 
Yeah. Which would make sense to me. The Doctor brought the companions along almost straight away because she didn't want to be around on her own. And the minute the companions were like, actually, I want to leave, she was like really torn up about it. More so than she has been previous companions. Um, but in the case of like, hey, I can go back in, you know, I could change time and maybe they, they'll still be with me and blah, 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 blah. And it seems more like because you don't get a lot of time between the Doctor and the Companions, it reads to me like she just needs someone there to travel with her because she doesn't want to travel on her own, rather than her wanting to travel with people because she likes them. Like, the Doctor just constantly doesn't want to be on her own, this version, so is surrounding herself with people that she maybe doesn't even like that much, but people she doesn't like is better than people she... than I mean, being on I, her own, if I, that makes sense. Yeah, I, it makes sense, but at the same time, I would... I. I don't like that idea of being explored. I mean, you know, that she, she... I don't she, think it's... A, I, I think, well, I mean, I think it would be interesting, and I 100% don't think it was the intention of the writers, but because the writers have done such a bad job of exploring a relationship between the Doctor and the Companions, it would make more sense to me if the Doctor just didn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems weird for the Doctor to be like, oh, I, I want people to travel with, but I hate these people that I'm with. I just maybe I not hate them, but just not have the same connection that she's. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just that it, I, it... I kind of got the impression that she didn't feel the same way about yeah. Yaz. I can't tell if it's good writing or bad writing that both scenarios that we've just talked about could be possible. I don't know if that's good or bad <laughs> writing that those two options it c- could happen. There's no, like, oh, yeah, there's 20% chance of that happening. It's (laughs) 50-50. Yeah, see, because this is the thing. I I don't know how much of this is actually good writing. I don't (laughs) know how much of this... Yeah, I I don't know how much of this is um, good acting, bad acting, bad writing. I don't know how much of this is intentional. I'm hoping we get some clarification, you know, as we go on. Mm-hmm. But this is the Doctor. I think it's because we've had very little time on her own. And the time that we did have on her own was in that episode where she was in prison. And she gets captured. She gets saved by Captain Jack. But then that story was just repeating the arc that she had in The Timeless Child. Where she's like... Because at the end of The Timeless Child, she's like, I don't know who I am. Oh, it doesn't matter. I- I'm the Doctor. That's what's important. And then the very next episode was the special. And in the special, she's still like, I don't know who I am, but I'm the Doctor and that's what's important. Like, she just repeats the yeah. same story. I see. I, I, I don't know why this has just suddenly popped into my head and, like, talking about, I don't know if it's, like, the bad writing or anything. But maybe it's, like, the writer's idea of what is Doctor Who to them. Sort of like, you know, with, um, like, the Star Wars thing. Like, why do people love Star Wars? Is it the politics or is it the swashbuckling, like, you know, Star Wars fights, battles and everything, you know, blasters and everything? Like... Maybe in the Doctor Who here with the writers, previously it was about exploring all these relationships and everything and getting to know the companions. Maybe it's Chris Chibnall like, saying, you know what, to me Doctor Who is the science mumbo-jumbo stuff with all the aliens, all the stuff, and we don't need to know about the relationship between the companions. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe that's why Maybe, we're not getting but it. I think what's weird, though, is that, yeah, that, that could be the case, but at the same time, he seems very focused on every episode you get introduced to new side characters and the side characters will have scenes on their own yeah. where their stories are being developed and it's all these like big important like 
we don't get any scenes in Praxius, for example, that show a blossoming romance between Yaz and the Doctor. Or, or the fact that maybe Ryan is deciding to pull away from travelling with the Doctor. It just happens all But you get loads of scenes of the side characters telling each other how they feel about each other and like their motivation for what yeah. they want to do. And that happens a lot in this era where they, the individual episodes are focused on telling the stories of those companions. Yeah. Well, like I mean... those one-off characters. And our main characters, they get a scene of character development. And if you get one scene of character development every episode, that means you get 13 scenes of character development in a season. And you can't develop relationships and complicated feelings in 13 fucking scenes. I mean, that's an over-exaggeration, but you see my point. Yeah, I mean... I mean, going. I think the next thing we should delve into is the two new side characters that we've got in this episode. But um, oh, there was a point I had uh, about these side characters. Maybe I mean, like going back to that idea of like what the writer thinks Doctor is to them. Maybe to Chris Chipnell, he. I'm I'm trying to save. I'm protecting Chris Chipnell. Here. It's, <laughs> I'm like defending his writing, even though I don't like the series. Maybe to him, he's sort of <laughs> thinking like. Um, the reason why he's focusing on these one-off characters and these sidekicks is maybe because, to him, Doctor Who is about changing these ordinary people, you know, day in, day in lives, you know, like, with these two characters that we get here, they, you know, one of them's a bit of an odd creep with his ex-girlfriend, and then this, the female, she's, you know, working in a storage unit. It's very boring lives. And then when the Doctor comes along, it, the reason why he focuses on those random sidekicks in the episodes is to show how the Doctor changes their lives completely because um, I don't know if I'm talking about this too early but you know at by the end of the episode these two people who would never meet or have a relationship in real life are brought together and they go off traveling you know maybe that's why he's focusing more on the companions trying to sh- highlight how important or like how amazing the Doctor's do you get what I mean? Like how amazing. I, doctor... I understand what you mean yeah. that he, he wants to ex- he wants to show how the doctor can turn up and change someone's life. Yeah, it could be that. But and and that's you know that's it. I thought that has happened a lot throughout his tenure. But he he literally has, including this one, he had three episodes to wrap up his storylines. Mm. We have three episodes left to devote one third of that to two characters that have no involvement in stories later on. Maybe they do. Maybe they're going to turn up in every episode. Unlikely. But I think the fact that this is the first same-sex relationship between the Doctor and a companion ever in the history of the show, that is interesting enough on its own to be explored. Yeah. And, like, I think if you removed the other two characters out of the story. And it was just the Doctor, Dan, Yaz. Maybe they go to that beach or maybe they go somewhere and it's just the three of them. It's the three of them and the Daleks. That means the writers have as much room as they want to explore relationships between Dan and the Doctor mm-hmm. and the Doctor and Yaz. Because Dan and Yaz, I completely buy their friendship. Oh, yeah, they spend... They make jabs years. at each other, yeah. Sheffield, Liverpool, all that shit. I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. They went travelling for four years. Yeah. I understand that them two have... They've had a lot of scenes together. I buy their chemistry. You don't buy but I still don't get why the Doctor... I don't get why the Doctor and Dan 
a traveling. I'm sick of the one-off characters getting more development than our main characters. Mm-hmm. It's why I want Yaz to stick around because if Judy Whitaker's already committed to leaving, that can't be salvaged. But yeah. if Yaz sticks yeah. around and she has a relationship with the next Doctor, Yaz could be turned into a really interesting character. And the actress, Mandip uh, Gill, has already said that she wants to stick around. Well, that's a good Her thing. fate's obviously already... Her fate's been decided already, because if they're planning the next series and the, they've already filmed the centenary and all that shit, her fate's been decided. But I hope that she's sticking around and you get a writer who can actually develop her. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, Doctor Who episodes have side characters. Every episode has one of side characters. But they don't take up the whole fucking plot. Mm-hmm. They're there as plot devices. Their lives will change in minute ways, but the story is on the main characters. Yeah, I mean, f- from our discussion about the side characters, is, it, uh, is there any point that talking about the two that we get in this episode? Because it seems like we're not a fan of side characters. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Like, there were, there were interesting characters, but mm-hmm. you know, not in, well, they weren't even interesting. It was just they were like fun performances. Yeah, I mean, they were, I think, are they both comedians? I know the girl is. I don't know. I'm terrible with names. Um, I know the Irish one, she's a comedian, and I thought her there was like some fun lines bet- they had and everything and made me chuckle. But I mean, apart from that, you know, it is weird. I, just, I, I don't care. Every time they're on screen, I'm like, Why? especially when Dan and Yaz have that conversation. Immediately after that, I was like, fucking finally, oh my God, they're actually doing it. Right, I want to see where this goes. I want to see this get explored. And then it cuts to... The, I can't remember their fucking names. Exactly. It could start man and woman sat talking about how <laughs> they're man like... Man and woman. Because that's, that's, that's essentially who they are. And they give them like weird character traits. But that whole thing about storing his ex-girlfriend's stuff what, was why weird. Was needed? And it felt like they were like, fuck, um, we need a reason for him to go to a storage unit every year at New Year's but Eve. Do we need that anyway? Do we need him? Do we need this man to have a reason to be in a storage unit? You just—I mean, he says his reason. The reason why he goes at that specific time is because he knows that's when she's going to be working but there. Even then, like... So it's like, okay, if that's his reason for going, he doesn't have to be storing mm. his ex-girlfriend's stuff. Yeah. And plus, like, and you just have to label it. And it's, it's so it's weird. weird. It's so unnecessary. Even even that his reason, you know, he tells us his reason that he's there to go see the girl. It's still bloody weird because he only sees her once a year and he's in, been in love with her for three years. He's only seen her three times. Which is, you know, to dedicate New Year's um, New Year's Eve every year for three years to interact with a girl once. Yeah. Like, he has, like, a couple lines. So it's, it's, it is weird. The whole I, setup... It's just odd. I think it should have been... They were all, they were like friends. They knew each other. Mm-hmm. And Not- she was stuck at work, New Year's Eve. He was supposed to be out at a party, but chose to come see her instead. That would have been better. Exactly. Instead of, because like, there's no way that she'd go off traveling with this guy. That I was, guess there yeah. was like some time difference. But it's like, all of a sudden, they're like, oh yeah, we, we've got feelings for each other. Well, it's like, you, you have known this man. Three days <laughs> across, three and that's years. fucking pushing it because he yeah. he comes in, he drops his stuff, he drops his stuff off, and he leaves. So it's not even like a day; it's like a couple minutes. And yet, 
they're supposed to like go off traveling and yeah. be in love and blah 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 blah. Yeah. And it's like, why not just make it that they know each other already? Mm. I, I mean, it could... she's stuck there working. Uh-huh. Like it just there's it more natural ways to. Yeah, there's there's. It felt very forced. It felt very mm. like we need these two people to be at this storage unit for a particular time yeah. and have a connection. I don't know. But we also don't want them to really know each other. Like, what the fuck? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's going back to the point I made earlier that, you know, being with the doctor changes people in weird, m- miraculous ways. And if that is the case with these two characters, okay, then. it still feels weird. Okay, then. Look at the lodger, which is essentially the exact same thing. The Matt Smith episode with James Corden. Yeah, yeah. You've got two friends who have had feelings for each other for ages, but neither one has acted on it. Mm-hmm. And the Doctor turns up, comes in, changes their lives, and they end up together. Yeah, That's how you do that type of story. And the way they did that story was they did focus on those characters, but they sidelined Amy Pond. They had Amy Pond in the TARDIS on her own, and they had the Doctor interacting with both of the characters. In this story, for yeah. most of it, the Doctor doesn't things. interact with the side characters. Yeah. All five of them are trying to share the screen time, and they each have a. Dan doesn't have a uh, story thread. He doesn't have a reason He's to be not, here other than to dance around a dialect. He purely exists <laughs> to dance around. He's like, like he. That was. What did you think of that bit? Oh, I thought that was hilarious. I think we were talking about it on the phone call, but like, it's such a smart way to trick a dialect, and it makes you think: Why has no one else thought to do that by dancing around the dialect? Because he has a full conversation with him. It's like, oh, you know, I'm going to complain to my manager. Your voice sounds weird, you know? Why has no one else thought of that? <laughs> I love the fact... I really hope he meets a Cyberman because I like the fact that Dan... If he does meet a Cyberman and has an interaction with one, he's, like, one of the only companions who's, like, shit-talked the big armies of Doctor Who. Yeah, because he has that line. Because he does the same thing with the Centaurs, where it's like, "Oh, you're all right, lads. I was just looking for the pier head." Yeah, and this one he's like, "Oh, you're all right. I've just got some stuff to start." <laughs> it's so good. Um, but anything else about but, the um, team? What I wanted to say was, I love that Lodger episode. That's like one of my favorite of Matt Smith's, uh, or in that season anyway. So I mean, same. That's a and good what... episode. Good comparison there. Well said. Yeah, it's a good. Ep- and that's the thing is that that episode is smart with the amount of story given to each character amy pond isn't important to that story and the episode knows that mm-hmm. so she isn't in the story this one what's important is how the doctor affects the relationship between um james Corden's character and the love interest who again i can't remember the names it's been a while but the whole point is that it's it's how he as an individual affects both their lives this episode all over the place the yaz is having her own sort of existential stuff going on where she's figuring stuff out about herself and Dan's sole role in this episode seems to be to help her along that journey. Yeah, I think that's literally it. I mean, I can't think of any um, other reason. And he does the same for the Doctor. Yeah. The Doctor isn't ref- has no like reflection on what happened in Flux. Yeah. There's that one throwaway line where the Dalek is like, we're here to kill you because you're the one who tried to destroy us because of the flux. Or, like, I can't remember the exact yeah. reason. but and she's saying how, like, all oh, my decisions have had consequences and mm. all this stuff. But 
other than that, she's not like you don't. The watch that she hid in the TARDIS doesn't come up. You don't see any scenes about her, her dealing with like oh, like her identity crisis. She doesn't really seem to care in this, you know. Like her as a character, the most exploration we get into who she is is when is the stuff with Yaz, mm. which is only like two three scenes. Yeah, you have the scene with Dan. You have the scene at the end, and that's it. Yeah. Um, quickly going back to the two side characters and how in the end they go on like a second date of traveling the world it's also a bit weird how moments before, well not moments before but they, the girl starts shouting at the man for being a creep and then later on yeah like, exactly you know, what? you know creeps are the ones you want to keep closer to it's just it's weird it's it's weird I don't know why I was defending Chris Chipnell's writing beforehand because <laughs> <laughs> like, the minute you're reminded of good writing you're like well hang on yeah that's yeah, a fucking just, that's a good point what the fuck i know it's just i'm looking forward to russell t davis coming back like geez oh man oh dear anyway um want to move on to the daleks was it good to see them i've right again this is what i was saying when i was like i've got continuity stuff to talk about uh, um Right, so, so, you know how we were saying with the flocks, where wiping out the armies has like no impact. Mm-hmm. In this episode, that entire fleet of Daleks got wiped out. Right, the flocks came in, wiped them out. Yet somehow there's still Daleks, and the explanation given is that those two, those couple Daleks that are there, they go the Doctor wipe out, uh, wiped out yeah, our yeah, war yeah. fleet. So it's like okay. That's a separate war fleet. Why the fuck were some Daleks not at that war fleet? Because if the Flux was only targeting Earth, which it seems to be the case, at some point they reversed all the Flux stuff, they sent another Flux to destroy the Earth, and in that moment, Daleks and Cybermen hid, tried to hide behind the Carvanista ships or whatever. But they couldn't, whatever. doesn't make a lot of sense because... If they were wanting to hide from the flocks, mm-hmm. where did these Daleks come from that are in this episode? Because if they were somewhere else where the flocks wasn't affecting them, then why wasn't the war fleet with those Daleks? And I thought the flocks was destroying everything in the universe. But apparently, at some point, because the universe is fine now, so did that some and uh... fucking Azure in Flux mentions that they're gonna wind the flocks back and then do it again as a yeah. constant loop. So I guess maybe she wound it back and then went to just straight away target Earth. But if that's the case, if everything got undone and nothing was destroyed, then that would mean that that fucking Grand Serpent's empire is still around, which means the Grand Serpent has no reason to be on Earth. And it would also mean that, oh, the Daleks are still alive, so this Dalek war fleet doesn't need to be hiding behind that wall. This is this is annoying. It makes no sense. It, it, I'm trying. To... It's complete bullshit. And also, once again, these Daleks are just in the modern day. Yeah, it's also really weird how like the last two, the only, the last two New Year specials have been about the Daleks and how there is an iron one, and you know they've never been fully evolved into the ones that we've seen before. This episode, they're all fine. You know, that's another it's just reason. it's just the regular Daleks. Which, yeah. by the way, I like that they've updated them. They've given them claws. They've given them a minigun. Yes. But I liked in the classic series 
you'd get different colour schemes. You'd get red and gold Daleks. You'd yeah. get all black Daleks. You'd get gunmetal Daleks. You'd get white and gold Daleks. Why can't we get different colour Daleks? Well, Why can't we change the colour scheme? But haven't we've already had that with the Matt Smith where we, there was like the big reveal in the World War Two episode with Winston Churchill how you get bigger Daleks and different colours ones. They were bringing them back and then they're never brought up again. I don't know if it's because... They I had haven't... a bunch of stuff planned mm-hmm. with those Daleks. Those, that design had so many things set up for later stories that never paid off because people didn't like those those initial designs. There was a lot of backlash because they were like, they're just like fucking Power Rangers. So because <laughs> the backlash was so severe, they just abandoned that premise oh, altogether. I didn't realise. But there's, there's yeah. stuff in that design. Like the reason why the back is so weirdly shaped is because there was a weapon there Oh. This re- a deadlier weapon than the gun that was designed and ready to go for future stories. But the reason why mm. they're so tall is because they wanted the the eye stalk of the Daleks to be able to meet uh, Karen Gillan's eye line. Oh, because the Daleks in the original series could meet Rose Tyler's eye line. Ah, which is why these ones were built slightly slightly taller. But then. Karen Gillan never comes face to face with any of those types of Daleks again for the rest of the show. Really? Does she even meet the they big were Daleks? Daleks? She doesn't even. She meet never them. meets the big Daleks when they go to the asylum of the Daleks, which I think is her next Dalek storyline. They're not even there. It's all the. They're not even there. Well, the the superior Dalek is there, and you see a bunch of the red ones, mm. which were supposed to be the drones. The red ones were going to be like just the average foot soldiers. Uh, foot soldiers. And then the other colours each had a, a specific role. You had a strategist, a scientist, yes, the leader, which was the white one, yeah, yeah. and the yellow one was called Eternal. Fuck knows what that means. Okay. And then I think in a... I think there was a green one. No, I don't... I don't in I don't, extra material. I don't remember. Not in the episode, oh, but right. I think in like... I think in like comics or something, there was ah, a green right. one that could time travel. Or maybe that was a fan film. Yeah. Also, I Can't also remember. love the small detail. I remember watching, like, I think back in the day when there was Doctor Who Confidential. I don't even know if that's still a thing. But they were talking about the redesign of those. It's not. Dialects. It's not. They do like a. They'll do like a behind the scenes feature on YouTube. But that's uh, where. Do you remember Doctor Who? Anyway, um, <laughs> I just remember they went into <laughs> detail about the eye and how it was very different because they wanted to remind the audience that there's something living inside this you know, this robot shell. And I love that little explanation mm. of how, I can't remember the proper detail, but, you know, these ones, it's just a blue light. The the one that was made in that Matt Smith episode, it it, it looked like a proper eye. It looked like something was in there. And I was like, that's such a cool detail. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't realize that was the reason why we never got those Daleks again, because of the backlash. So every time I see the Daleks, I'm always just like post-Stolen uh, Earth. I'm always confused where they're at. I'm always confused why they're here. Just why, you know, I'm always confused. Well, this is the thing, right? I've said that fucking phrase again. I know, I've stopped saying a wee bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. So, after Stolen Earth, the Daleks, there was only one ship left. I think in the Stolen Earth, you can see one ship getting away before it's destroyed. Oh, um, I think, I can't remember. And then that ship is obviously the one in Victory of the Daleks. They create the paradigm, and the whole point of that episode was that the, the Daleks would put the Doctor in a stalemate, 
that would mean they get to just escape and leave with a full ship full of resources ready to go and the Doctor can't do anything about it. The Daleks fuck off. And then, I think the next time we see them, because they don't have a full story until Asylum of the Daleks, Mm -hmm. but you do see bits and pieces throughout, I think, like Series 7. They're at the Pandorica Opens. And I think the idea is that the Daleks go off and they rebuild their empire. Right. Peter Capaldi's era kind of establishes this a little bit where it's shown that they've somehow rebuilt Scaro, which was destroyed... Um, it was it was destroyed, kind of by the hand of Omega, um, in the Remembrance of the Daleks episode, the final episode of the classic era, for the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's also kind of been referenced that it was destroyed in the Time War. But I think there is a book that's kind of canon, that means that some Daleks from the future went back in time, fucked with the hand of Omega. So that instead of destroying Scaro, it would destroy another planet in that solar system, and that Scar would actually be would survive, and then Scar gets destroyed in the Time War, um, and then somehow it's rebuilt. Most of this happens off screen. They don't I, really, I was, was going to really say it. It, it's, this all sounds interesting, but it's like at the same time, like so hard to follow. Just like so much. Yeah, it, they off they barely. They barely get into it. There's like books and comics and bullshit like that. Mm. But the point is that apparently they rebuild their empire. But the point of the fact they have to rebuild Scaro is because it happens in the future. And the point in which that happens has to be around the 40th century. Right. It must be. It's it's, It's got to be around about that time where the time war happens the time war is happening like it was kind of an abstract war where it was happening across different time periods it was affecting things in different times there's i think there's talk about how the daleks built a weapon that was using different um points of time as like bullets mm-hmm. and it was like a cannon that would fire like the 1970s at you or shit like that um there's a whole bunch of weird stuff happens in the time war but the actual physical war in a linear perspective takes place around about, has to have ended before the 42nd century. Because um, when the Doctor and Rose are stranded in, or think they're stranded, you know, the episode where they meet the devil. Yeah, yeah. Um, when they lose their TARDIS and they think they're stuck there, the Doctor says... With my planet gone, there's no way we can go back. Which means that by the 42nd century, Gallifrey's gone. Does that make sense? You know, it's actually... I feel like we're going really off topic in this episode, but at the same time, it's really No, tr- tr- trust me, this this is making sense, but does, that, that, well, does this make... is relevant to this episode. Yeah. But does that make sense? Yes. It, right, so also, that means... Yeah. I'll let you keep going. I'll say that means that the Daleks... Mm-hmm. Sorry? I'll say my comments later, but it's just I find it really weird that the time war happened in the future. I've always thought of it as the past. I don't know why. You can cut that out. Well, it's the past for the Doctor, but it's future for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. So, it's really cool. That planet, Gallifrey, it's gone. 
that's how the time war ends, which means that by this point, Scaro is also gone. So when the Daleks and their new empire say they have rebuilt um, Scaro, it has to be after the 42nd century. It's most likely after the 51st century, mm. because up until the 51st century, the Daleks were just a myth. There was this big face and presence, and then they just disappeared to go fight a different war. Which probably means that the Daleks, because it was a time war, pulled all of their soldiers from across different points of time to go fight this time war. And then that's why the Daleks just disappear. So, 51st century has to be when the Daleks rebuild their empire, because up until that point, they were just myths. Right. So, okay. that means in stories like Into the Dalek, um, The Magician's Apprentice, where they go to Skyro, shit like that. Mostly the Stephen Moffat era of Dalek stories, because they were mostly set in like the future. Mm. Um, a bunch of the Rusty Davies stories would have the Daleks be in the present day through time travel. So, that means the current empire of Daleks that exists in Doctor Who has to be in the 51st century, which Resolution and Revolution of the Daleks both line up with because it's Daleks that have travelled through time. Mm-hmm. The the Dalek that landed in the past of Earth was a scout Dalek, trying to you know investigate Earth history, and then the Daleks that come to attack the clone Daleks, they are summoned from the time vortex. So, all lines up except both Flux and this episode just imply that Daleks have come that they've not time travelled there; they came here just from their a different point in space. Where the fuck did these Daleks come from if the Daleks are supposed to be from the 51st century? Am I actually supposed to have an answer for this? Because <laughs> my head is already just mind-boggled at how you know this shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I pay attention to numbers and stuff. It was one of those things that annoyed me when Moffat took over was a bunch of his space stuff would take place in the future, but he'd always refer to it as, like, um, just the galaxy, the biggest power in the galaxy, blah, 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 but not specify when. But he would throw around, he, he would throw around the term 51st century technology, blah, blah, blah. He'd throw that around a lot, which means it has to be around about that time. Um I think it's probably just because 51st century like rolls off the tongue, I suppose. But anyway, so the point is there is no answer. There is no answer. Right, okay, they didn't God. think about it. There is no answer. The actual answer is that the people writing this didn't pay attention to stuff like that. <laughs> they just threw Daleks in. So after that long, big tangent about the Daleks, the main message is the writers are shit. That's the exactly message. because the in in flux because they were so loose about what the flux was actually doing and the state of the universe a way to convey the big scale importance is to have the flux wipe out three armies and they're like well fuck we'll just say the daleks are here as well all that stuff that happens happens at the same time it's not like the flux is in the future mm. it's modern it's present day earth so it's also the present day across the galaxy but because it's space stuff, they're like, well, Daleks are in space. That's the logic there. Fuck it, it'll do. But it, it doesn't make any sense. The Daleks are from the future. Unless these are Daleks that have time-travelled and are trying to establish an army 
in the past, maybe. I don't know. See, um, see, when you mentioned before the episode, like, oh, yeah, we'll talk about Daleks. I was just ready to talk about, oh, yeah, they look cool with their new gun and, you know, just small details. You've written, like, a fucking Bible about <laughs> Dalek. I feel underprepared here, you know, once again, as always. Because it say, annoys me. <laughs> it, 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 like, I'm interested in what you're saying, but it's just like, fuck me, man. How how do you know all this shit? It's impressive. Some people pay attention to stories, so Yeah, I I don't apparently. <laughs> that's that's the moral of this story. Um But what annoys me, right, is that Chris Chibnall is supposedly a fan of this stuff. Clearly not. He's like a big fucking Doctor Who fanboy who loves all these characters yeah. or whatever. But he's so loose with his own storytelling, with his own continuity. You know? He just throws things in. Like, the Suntarans, every Suntaran story has been in the present day, more or less. Their army has progressed along the same time as, like, Earth history. There's been... they. I think they have, like... I think they have done a bit of time travelling, and they're, like, in the future or whatever, but for the most part, they're, they're... Like, they have also existed at the same time. Whereas the Daleks have always been in the future. Right, you know, okay. yeah. Um... If that makes sense, um, I think so. I think it does. I think I've got it. Maybe, yes. Let's go with yes. <laughs> it's mate. It's a lot. Like the Centaurans have just attacked Earth from space before. It's like they've had a time travel to attack Earth in the yeah. modern day. Okay. There's just a species who exist out there in the universe, whereas the Daleks. Every modern day story they had with the Rusty Davies era. They time traveled, you know, in the the they had the void ship where they'd gone into the void, and because there's no up, down, left, right, space, time, whatever, they could they just ended up on Earth at a random point in Earth's history because the void's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they introduced the cult of Scarrow, and then the cult of Scarrow would emergency temporal shift, which put them in the nineteen. Uh, was it the 1920s, 1930s, something like that? 1930s. Yeah. And then they temporal shift again, and that puts them in the time war. And then they come back to the modern day through time travel bullshit, build the Crucible, and fucking Bob's your uncle. So, uh, all of that lines up. And then virtually the Daleks go to the 51st century, and they rebuild their empire. And then it's... It more or less lines up, blah, 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 dots along until you get to Flux, where they just go, oh, but Daleks also exist in the present day. Lazy No writing. explanation. Lazy writing, that's what it is. It's literally just because let's throw Daleks in it, because if we throw Daleks in it, people might like it, because people like Daleks. I also feel that it's like, oh, we've created a New Year trend where we always have Daleks. Let's just bring them back every New Year special. <laughs> Yeah, and I thought what was good about Resolution and Revolution of the Daleks is those two stories were linked. The Dalek that went back in the past got cloned and then built himself a new army mm-hmm. in the second special. This no special, no it's just a couple of Daleks turn up and we're like, oh, we're going to try and kill you, Doctor. Oh, really? Okay, brilliant. What makes this any different? Yeah, Why I, is this a special? I feel like you could have any other species in that. It doesn't have to be the Daleks. Literally, they are very replaceable. They are very replaceable, and I get that it was to show consequences from the flux, but at the same time, it 
didn't make sense that the, the fucking Daleks were there in the first place. No. And if you wanted consequences from the Flux, why not actually have consequences be personal to the Doctor in terms of how she feels about the fact that fucking she was told she was going to die? Oh, yeah. That's another thing that was, again, not mentioned in this episode. She's going to die once again never brought up i like, think it's like vaguely alluded to and she's like oh i'll have to i'll have to deal with the consequences of my actions blah 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 but that's it can, can we just watch david Tennant episodes again man like they were great <laughs> can we do another can we just do the, a david Tennant wrap up you know they were, he was great man i the annoying thing about this episode right is i've seen the time loop thing before my favorite time loop story ever is the time loop story in season seven of Agents of Shield? I've never seen it. It's um, it's on Disney Plus. It's it's fun. It's got again, it's it's a story that it's it's got a bunch of characters in it, but it has two characters that it focuses on specifically, um, which is Daisy and Agent Coulson. Season seven did a really good job of divvying up screen time, where like one character would kind of become the lead, and then another character would become the lead. It was done really well. This one, it doesn't know which character to focus on. So Dan kind of gets shoved to the background, but not in like a way that's like, oh, he's stuck on the TARDIS while everyone else is doing their shit. In the case where he's literally just like, I'm here as well. Hello. Hey, Yaz, you should fuck the doctor. Hey, (laughs) doctor, she wants to fuck you. That is his one role in this episode. And yet we get fucking loads of screen time with two characters we're not going to see again. Fucking hell, the guy from episode one of season oh, yeah. 11 had a cameo. Why? Who knows? What the fuck was that about? I, I generally was... At first I was like, who's this guy? And then it slowly clicked that it was the guy from season one. and um, Season 11. Is he a fan? It's like... Is, is, he a, is he a friend of the writer, the director? Like, why? Was he just there? Was it like a deleted scene from that first episode that they went, oh, we could we could just stick this what's, in here. It still makes sense. What's this old relic blows the cobwebs away? Oh, we can use this again. You know, give him, let's give this guy some money. Maybe, maybe he was short on cash, the actor, and he was just like, you know. Please, I'll do anything. <laughs> react to some fireworks. What's this got to do with Doctor Who? Don't worry. It'll all make sense. Eventually. Um, I honestly... I honestly cannot for the life of me think of what their names were for those two new characters that were introduced. Well, like we discussed, man and woman. Irish woman and creepy man. <laughs> that's it. That's that's an entire character. I, I would say that her acting... Is it Ashlyn B? I don't know. She's I think that sounds, it sounds right in my head. That's yeah, she is in that new Home Alone movie. Is she the mum? Yeah. Oh, is that any good? I need to watch that. Oh, it's no, dog it's... shit. It's absolutely dog shit. Oh, thanks. I, I won't. I won't go and watch it then. Is it a Christmas film? Yeah, it's a Christmas film. Oh, I just thought they would have changed the setting. Imagine Home Alone for Easter. Maybe. Maybe that's. Anyway, I'm getting really sidetracked here. This has got nothing to do with Doctor. <laughs> um. I think before we before we wrap up, I think what we should talk about. Is the teaser? Oh shit! Accidentally started playing the teaser there. The teaser that was played at the end of the episode. Yeah. Um. It was literally just what 
three sh- three four shots and then like these it was like 15 seconds long yeah and it was announced that the episode the second of three specials will be called legend of the sea devils and for me didn't know who they were they just looked like weird sea monster creatures but you you gasped you were happy is it something from the classics? Oh, right. I, I've i not seen the Sea Devil episode. I know a fair bit about it. Um, uh, <laughs> this is really fucking sad. When I was a kid, I used to watch this guy do stop-motion animations with Doctor Who action figures. Right. And he... It's because I, I was a big fan of the Eighth Doctor. And I did. I think it was before I knew that he did audio dramas. Mm-hmm. Um, where it was just the the Eighth Doctor TV movie, and I was like, I want more Eighth Doctor content. And this guy did like a whole, he did like a whole animated series where it was the Eighth Doctor doing adventures, and one of those was with the Sea Devils. And when I was like looking into who the Sea Devils were, I found out about the Silurians because the Sea Devils are basically the aquatic equivalent of the Silurians. Um, the prehistoric advanced civilization who are from Earth. So they're not aliens. They're like the original inhabitants of the planet. And obviously there's connections to Atlantis and shit like that. Um, do you know much about the Sea Devils? Well, no, because I, I was going to say, when that teaser trailer um, was at the end, I felt we both had two very different reactions. Mine was more like, okay, another random guy in a rubber suit. Whereas you, you proper went, oh my god, they're back. Yeah, they they do look a little weird. They're actually, what it, it's similar to like the Centaurians, where oh. those designs that we saw there is dead on to how they kind of look oh, in really? the classic series. Oh, that's quite good. It's more of like they've updated the effects rather than completely redesigned it. Fair. Um, oh yeah, who are they? Because with Well, actually, speaking of character redesigns, these creatures, the Sea Devils, are the cousins to the race called the Silurians. Oh, that's cool. The Silurians were, you know, they were the ones that were brought back in Series 5. And it was, they were kind of following the trend of bringing back classic monsters from the the old show. Um, I don't think Series 6, as far as I can remember, I don't think Series 6 brings any classic monsters back. Series Um, 6? Top of my head. Yeah, the one two thousand eleven. I don't think they bring any classic people back. There's a lot of like River Song stuff, and a lot to do with the silence. But they don't have any like classic monsters returning. Yeah, series seven had like the ice monsters and all that shit. But they've not really done like a big we're well, bringing back the monsters type thing for a while. So I'm glad that they're doing it here. I'm glad that they've brought back the Sea Devils and that Jody, like the thirteenth Doctor, has a classic monster revival in it if that makes sense yeah yeah um i I do feel her doctor has had quite a lot of old monsters coming back you know and then like well she's but she's not had any that have come back in her era like Mm. the dalek simon sontarians they've already come back in like the revived era um whereas the sea devils this is the first time they've been back since you know the last time they're in the classic show and the story idea where it's these the sea devils and what looks like Chinese pirates, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's about a specific historical pirate. Ooh. I saw someone talk about it on Twitter. Yeah. 
But you know um, what we always said about history episodes and or like historical episodes in Doctor Who? They're normally really, really good. So hopefully this episode should be an amazing, you know, by that logic. I, uh, yeah. Uh, my my issue with... Um... <sighs> See, I, I am excited for it. It looks good. I like that setting. But that that will be the penultimate the penultimate episode to the 13th doctor's run the next episode is the, is the centenary where the doctor regenerates and i really want this special to give us an insight into her character i don't want another episode where we meet a historical figure and we learn all about her, the historical figure then right at the end of the episode we get a tease for the next big thing i want an actual i want there to be development of this potential relationship between the Doctor and Yaz. Do you think, I don't know why, it's just just something that's popped into my head, do you think the next episode, because, you know, they finally admitted that both the Doctor and Yaz, there's there's something going on. There's potential, like, there's potential there. Um, Yeah. um, Do you think in the next episode, um, since it's in, you know, it's a history episode, not history, a historical episode, I, it would be really weird if like Yaz maybe is attracted to one of the one of the guys there or one of the females there, you know, and uh, the doctor gets jealous, and then that's when she fully admits to having feelings to Yaz. Odds on that happening, and hmm. thoughts on that happening. Like, would that be a good idea? Would it be a terrible idea? I think. I think it would make sense for this doctor because I think, like I said before, this doctor has been like the most insecure. She seems mm-hmm. to need a lot more validation, um, which I I don't mean that in a mean way, but it's like that scene where she's taking out the Dalek where she turns to the companions and she's like, you guys, you guys saw I gave it a chance. You know I gave it a chance, which seems kind of like unnecessary in that moment where you don't need to like have those characters validate what you try to do. Yeah. It's not like the doctor in Family of Blood turned to Martha and went, you saw I gave them a chance, please. He just went and did <laughs> the punishments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't ask like, for permission, he did it. Exactly. So I think this doctor, her character trait seems to be a bit more like needing um, validation in a way. And like we've said, she seems to be the the doctor who's most afraid to be on her own. So a, a weird love triangle thing would make sense, but I'm still I'm still convinced that the Doctor doesn't have feelings for Yaz. So I wouldn't be surprised if the way they do it is the Doctor is like trying to set Yaz up with the other pirates. Oh, that'd be that would be weird. Um, but if I'm being if I'm being really honest with myself, I can't see them really diving into that relationship much in that episode. I genuinely feel it's going to be more of a more of an event in the centenary episode. I feel that's where it's going to be. I don't know. It's going to be terrible if that happens, but I do see them actually just, you know, making it official then, and then she regenerates. I th- like, I oh. think. Yeah, exactly. I think like a lot of what's happened in Flux. I think it's mostly getting saved until the centenary special. I've got a funny feeling that you know, the Doctor and Yaz, they kiss or something, and then Yaz dies. Because 
it, again, like what I was like, saying yeah, before. Yeah, because that's the thing. I wonder if they do kill her. Yeah, because what I was saying before, if they leave it to the centenary episode to finally make it official that the Doctor and Yaz are meant to be and are in love and they kiss and everything, it's then very weird to then see that Doctor change into a different or look different. You know, whereas Yaz just follows. Unless, unless that has like a direct impact on their relationship. Yeah. Like, but if it, I think it would be a massive waste of potential, say Yaz falls in love with the Doctor and then the Doctor has the same feelings and they act on it and they, you know, get together and then the Doctor dies, regenerates. I think it would be a massive shame if in the next series they're just back to being like friends and they don't address it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I'm curious to see how this goes, and this is what I'm interested in. I'm not at all interested in, um, like finding out about more fucking side characters. I want to see the main characters develop. I know, I know, but you know, you know, Thomas, that that's not going to happen when Chris Chipnell's writing it. You know, we're going to have to learn about these pirates and why. They're fighting the sea monsters, you know? What we hope will happen. Unfortunately, I, I don't think it's just going to happen, you know? Because as you said, you know, um, it's all been written, you know? It's all been filmed, you know? So who knows? Hope maybe one of this. Yeah, this is the frustrating thing because it's like all the complaints I have about this show, they're falling on deaf ears. It's already too late. Yeah. Like, Every issue I have with Flux and all the stuff going forward, it's already locked in stone. And I don't think Rusty Davies is gonna same is gonna make the same mistakes that Chris Chibnall has done. So it's like I'm here begging for character development for our main characters and I know no matter how much I scream for it, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, like Because Chris Chibnall's already written it. Yeah, and like what you were saying about the dialects about how there was huge backlash to the new design and everything. And so they're hardly in it, you know, the, the new design of the dialects. This, you know, if thousands of people go to Twitter and, like, complain about the same things that we've brought up, they literally can't do anything since it's already been made. Unless they it's go... It's too late. Unless they go, right, guys, we're going to do reshoots, except we're reshooting the entire episode. It's not a little pickup But then they'd... You know, it's, it's an entire reshoot. They would have to completely reshoot make the special effects, do everything by the centenary special, and that's not going to happen. Do you think they like actually... It's... Do, they, do you think they actually listen to the fans? Uh... N- yes. But I, I think they listen to some things, they don't listen to other things. And I think a lot of the time they take on board the, the bad stuff, but don't take on board like the actual constructive stuff. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, but just closing remarks on this episode. If you were in charge, if if you... oh, actually, oh. sorry, something that we've completely not really talked about. What did you think of the time loop gimmick? Oh, right, yeah. Is that how you want to introduce it, or do you want to? Well, like, do do you think it was effectively done in this episode? I mean, to be honest, because um, my brother and my sister, they were like questioning me, like, oh, what is the new episode like, and everything is she good and everything, and what's this one going to be about? And I just kept on saying, oh, it's basically Groundhog meet with the Daleks. And I think it was quite cool because um, I generally thought um, it was literally them going back to the same point. You know, it, it was always going back to 10 minutes to midnight. 
but I like the fact that it, mm. you know it kept on getting shorter. I thought that was a cool, you know, little twist because I genuinely thought it was them stuck in the same ten minutes thing. And you know what? Also reminded me of, and um, like in the first. 10, 15 minutes. I thought it was very similar to what like the trickster did in the Sarah Jane adventures, you know, um, when the 10th the Doctor appears, where oh, yeah. uh, Sarah Jane and the trickster are trapped one minute ahead, but the Doctor and her companions are trapped one like in a different minute, you know. It gave me those sort of vibes. And you know what? Oh, uh, yeah, I see like, you going. If, if you compare those two, like that's how I thought, um, you know, it would have been cool if they brought the trickster back because I felt I know it's never gonna happen, but that was a cool character. Um, I th- I think the trickster was designed to be kind of like the main nemesis to Sarah Jane, give her her own sort of yeah, yeah. rival in the same way that like the Doctor was Davros and the Master. And then I think there was a larger design at play somewhere because the trickster brigade comes up. Every now and then in the main series, back in like RTD's era, um, and I, I, it would have been cool if they brought it back. But I wonder if RTD will just bring that back when he takes over the show because, oh yeah, I, I think, I think, I think that character he was supposed to have like a, a penultimate fate, but unfortunately, Elizabeth Sladen passed away, so he wrote a little funeral audio thing for her during the pandemic, and oh. in that little short story the trickster is like very quickly defeated oh and it was like him going oh that's that plot thread done with <laughs> but I, i'd like to see him actually do it properly um, anyway yeah, so what did you yeah think? i i like the i like the fact that like it was getting shorter and shorter mm-hmm. yeah I but i also good. think they didn't really explain why the, the time loop ended at midnight Yeah, yeah. Because the I, way I saw it, the time loop seemed to end when they were all killed. Well, that was... The, yeah, you've actually raised a question that I had while watching it. Like, So the time loop only happened once they died? Or was it going to always end? It midnight? seemed like when they died, it reset back to where they were but in what? the first loop. But a minute later. But like, yeah, a minute later. But then there's a bit where they go... Oh, I think it's Nick. I think his name's Nick. I think it's Sarah Nick. I was looking on Twitter before. It's taken us Nick says through. something like, "Yeah, we finally got their names after yeah, a full yeah, episode." It takes a full episode. But there's there's a bit where there's a bit where Nick says something. Oh, Sarah about Nick says that oh he never makes it past um, fifty five or five minutes too. Oh yeah. The next time loop will start at four minutes too meaning that he will he won't respawn essentially yeah but then and then the doctor's like yeah that's correct and then they do something they um they all go back to their starting points and then that that seems to be you know that seems to be it um They'd never really mention that again. And what's weird is that the Doctor, they all, the Doctor, Dan, Yaz, they all start at the TARDIS. But in that first loop, they go to different points in that building. They ended in the corridor. But even when it gets to like one minute yeah. two, they're they always, start by the TARDIS. Always, yeah. Oh, they haven't. 
Nancy. So it was. So I think clearly they hadn't quite figured out what the original because they can only do like nine loops. Mm-hmm. So the first loop they have to kill them, and because they have to kill them in that first loop, they don't actually have a loop to establish key points where everyone is and they don't explain what everyone is at each minute intervals like there should have been a loop again this is the the they couldn't do this because they were too busy trying to explain the relationship between the two characters and it's a really complicated weird relationship they should just know each other whatever doesn't matter um fucking weird uh so because they don't establish that first loop, they don't check in where everyone is at those minute things, they kind of just go, fuck it, the, the companions start at the TARDIS. Fuck it, Ashlyn B's character starts at that doorway. Fuck it, Nick is just in that top yeah. floor corridor. And it felt lazy. It gets halfway through and the time loop felt lazy to me. Mm-hmm. It was It was like you've clearly, you know, like the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode I was talking about, the first, they have a similar thing where they're stuck in like a time storm and they're getting closer to this point and once they get to that point, they will die. But as they're getting close to that point, the time storm's fucking with them and they're resetting. So every episode, every time loop, one of the characters who isn't aware of the time loop, only two of them are, one of the characters goes, well... 59 miles away from collision and then the start of the next loop it's oh we're 53 miles away from collision and then other things happen throughout that loop so they can check in and you know where people are and what's happening whereas in this it feels more like a video game mm-hmm. where once everyone dies the level respawns and even though they're running they're getting less and less time it gets to one minute two and they all still start the same points yeah when they started at, like, 10 minutes to. It doesn't really make sense. Because um, I generally like the idea of how, when she mentions that, oh, he won't be alive, you know, at the next time, you know, at the next, so we need to save him and keep bringing him with us. I thought that was, like, a really cool idea, a cool idea, because they're literally chasing, like, time is also their enemy, you know? It's not just the Daleks. Yeah. Also. So that was, like, for a brief moment, I thought, awesome, cool idea. But like you said like a video game just keep on respawning and it doesn't really make sense like the idea because it's 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 not like they get to 12 minutes past and they all get killed they all get killed at different times and it's not like the last person who dies every time they die they die at 12 minutes oh they die at like 12 o'clock yeah um so i i don't know it the time loop thing felt a little lazy to me and there was some interesting stuff put in where they were like, let's do a time loop that will... Because so, the Daleks keep adjusting to each loop. Every loop they do, the Daleks learn from it and fuck them over the next time. Yeah, yeah. But then the Doctor's like, well, let's do a decoy loop where we do a bunch of stuff, they'll be tricked, and then that gives us our final loop to do our plan and they won't know what's happening. But then one of the loops they'd learnt to cut the elevator... Yeah. To stop Sarah going up or down. And then the next loop, the Dalek is just shooting at Sarah as she's inside the elevator, but doesn't cut the elevator. Even when the doors close and the elevator goes up, the Dalek still doesn't shoot the power lines or anything. 
even though they had done it in the previous loop. Like, once again, the idea is an awesome one, but just poorly written, poorly executed. Same with when they were like, oh, we're going to trick the Daleks. The Doctor, Yaz, Dan, they go up to that weird little den thing on the top floor, and then in the actual final loop, you don't see the Daleks go to the den expecting them to be there. The Daleks just go, oh, we've been tricked. But you don't see them... You still The Daleks are still chasing them. They're still shooting after them. Yeah. So I don't see why the Daleks are like, oh, we're tricked by the Doctor. Because they're still chasing the Doctor. They still find where the Doctor is. So I didn't feel like they'd been tricked. Because they were still... You know, they were still mm. doing the fucking same shit. I think, I think overall, like, the concept is cool. But just poorly executed, you know? They, they, they had some cool ideas within it. But then they kind of didn't follow the rules that they set out, you know? It's a bit... I think I think they should have gotten rid of the other two side characters and they should have had an episode where it's just the three of them. They land on, like, a hotel resort waiting for the TARDIS to get repaired. Yaz, Dan, the Doctor go off to do a thing. Maybe they're the only ones at a resort or something. They each do so many tasks... And you and you check in for that first loop. Minute one, they're doing this. Minute two, they're doing this. Minute three, they're doing this. And then I'll make it ten minute intervals. And it's six loops or whatever bullshit. I don't know. Something like that. But you have check-ins where you see each character. And then when it gets to 12, the Daleks kill them all. And it resets. And they all have to... They're all separate. So they all have to find each other. So then they don't all meet up at the same time. So you have scenes where maybe the Doctor and Dan meet up and they have a little thing together and they have a conversation. And they're all like, do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. You get actual interaction between them. You get to establish a time loop and it would be good for COVID because you only need three actors. Maybe the two comedians were very desperate to be in a Doctor Who episode. That's why they were there. (laughs) wasn't because of the, they were the writing. It's just they wanted to be there. And Chris Chipnell was like, oh, fuck. All right, okay. You guys can have these seats <laughs> together. Here you go. Here, here's a weird romance. There you go. You're in a Doctor Who episode. Be happy. Um, their, um, their relationship also seemed to have no bearing on, like, our main characters. Not at all. Other than that one scene where they go hey weird ones are keepers and yes looks at the doctor yeah that is literally it and um, also but you can still have that scene where maybe the doctor says something and yes looks at her like all longingly and then dan can notice and be like oh you've got feelings for her yeah because that was the other you thing. don't need those two characters those two the extra characters are so unnecessary yeah i mean that, that's the other thing like <clears throat> and dan pointing out that oh is it, have you told her about your feelings and everything? You know, um, Dan hasn't been with them from that for that long. Like, if if we're saying that, it, you know, how they said, oh, you saved the universe a week ago, and you know, we were saying that Dan has been with them ever since they picked up, and like the story takes place as soon as he gets in the TARDIS. Who knows? Like, it's not. Oh no, actually, he does know that the Yaz is in love with the Doctor because he spent five years traveling with her. I'm a fucking idiot. Never mind. Um, <laughs> he literally says, I yeah, saw you yeah, 
God. pining over that hologram, which I thought was a good conclusion. It was a good way to kind of link that series in with this special. That's the only time they do it. But um, I did have a random question. Why did they keep on bringing up Jeff? Was it Jeff? Yeah, I thought there was going to... I genuinely thought he was going to be the reason the Daleks were there at one point. Yeah, because he kept on like getting brought up and was the only reason Jeff was brought up constantly was so that they had the explo- like a reason to explore the Daleks, you know? Because they go into this container... Which is fucking stupid. It's a storage centre. Yeah. You don't have to say who's storing stuff. Just be like, oh, a bunch of people store stuff here. Let's see and let's have a look at the storage units and see if anyone's got anything useful. You don't have to have, like, one guy who's got a bunch of fucking storage shit. And it's also weird that apparently he was storing every item that you're not allowed to store. Like... She made a big thing at the beginning, you know, how the guy was trying to make awkward chit-chat with her. Going like, oh, so can you just remind me again about what can and can I not put in the storage? And it seems like she's failed her job if she's let this one guy move into the storage unit place, you know? As well as store everything you're not supposed to store. It's like, what the fuck? I don't get it. I d- Why are you making me watch Geordie Whitaker when the writing is this shit? <laughs> I honestly, I, because there's some moments, right, where I'm like, yes, finally, but almost always the story potential gets completely abandoned. I know. And hey, look, we've got a few months before we've got to watch the next one. So I'm looking forward to Russell T. Davis being back. I'm also interested to see what other people say about this episode because I'm just going off the fact of just us two talking about it. I'm, I'm looking, I'm wanting to find someone who said this was the best New Year's episode ever. And then um, I've seen that. I was oh, scrolling what? through Twitter when we were after we watched the episode before I did this. I had a look on Twitter to see what people's reactions were, and people were like, "Wow, what a great episode of Doctor Who!" Really? It's weird that guy's keeping his ex girlfriend stuff, but everything else was great. I think that's probably just because people are excited about the Yaz and Doctor stuff, which rightly so. Yeah, keep it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, but at the same time, I'm like, I, the way this episode was written, and the way Flux was written. I really struggle to see how there's going to be a proper payoff to this episode other than like a last minute save where they just, they confess their feelings and then she regenerates and that's it. Yeah. Well, do you think we will get a Christmas special this year? When's the next one to come out? I think the next special is supposed to be a Halloween special. That's the next and one. I th- no, sorry, not Halloween. Sorry, Easter, <laughs> the other God. holiday. <laughs> I was like, "Are you shitting me?" Um, um, so and the then Easter I'm gonna one, quickly. Right? And the centenary. I'm gonna quickly Google when that is. Do you want me to insert um, awful music like they do over the phone? It's like, please wait on hold. Do do do. I'm cut this. Just cut this. Into that was. <laughs> I think. Is it? February? Wait a minute, what? So it's... No. So it's oh, okay, yeah. No. The the BBC is marking its centenary next year, 100 years of British broadcast 2022. Among the celebrations, the Doctor Who publicity team wants you to know will be Judah Whitaker's final episode playing the 13th Doctor, which is now officially set to air in autumn of next year. So it's the autumn. So we've got Easter and then autumn. 
we must be getting a Christmas one. Sure. Because with RTD taking over... He loves his Christmas episodes. Yeah, I'm curious to see if he will bring back the Christmas special because <gasps> I thought we were getting a series of Doctor Who before the anniversary special, like the 60th anniversary. Yeah. But I don't think we are. I think we're getting a, a series after the 60th, which I think is really fucking weird because that would make the 60th anniversary the first episode of the new Doctor. I think that's weird as fuck. You don't like... you. It would be the first time that that's a lot of pressure for the actor, whoever it is to take on that role for the 60th anniversary. So I wonder if they're going to try and do like a Christmas special so everyone gets used to the new Doctor and then do a 60th. And if it's... I don't know why I made that noise, sorry, but... Um, <laughs> it's, it's the weirdest noise ever made. But... I'm going to edit it so that is the noise you make when the episode starts. <laughs> um, well, see, since it's, uh, Russell T. Davis coming back and... If it's the first episode of the new Doctor is a Christmas one, wouldn't it be great to get the cigarettes back? Because we only saw them once. Oh, you know what fucking annoys me about the cigarettes? What? Because I was watching um, Revolution of the Daleks earlier today. Um, you know, getting excited for the new one and all that. I went back and watched the other specials. And there's a cigarettes in prison. Yes. But it's got its fucking helmet on. Yes, but that doesn't make sense. It's... And I think it happened, I think you see in, um, I think it's from the Peter Capaldi episodes where that, that there's a man that's made of snakes and he's travelling the galaxy trying to find the Doctor and he goes to a bar and you see a Sycorax and he's got his helmet on and I think people in the production team forget that that is a helmet and not their face. And it really fucking annoys me because it is just pure fucking laziness. You're it's right. the same when people call them Slitheen. Just... Just pay That's attention. Exactly. It's just... Am I the only one who pays attention to this? Is it just me? I mean... Could be. I mean, I know a fair amount. Not. I mean, compared to you, I'm a lost child from the streets. Like, literally, you've literally just picked me up from the streets. Um, it could be you. <laughs> I, did, I did. That is actually your origin story. I just found you on the streets somewhere. And you were like, do you want to help me record a podcast because I don't want to be talking to myself (laughs) (laughs) but I I don't know it's just it's just fucking crazy it's like little things like that where there is a whole scene in that episode where they're like oh it's a helmet maybe they look like us takes it off and it doesn't like us it's a weird fucking bone flesh guy and I get that that makeup is difficult to do so then just do something else you don't need to have a sicker axe you don't need to have a Sycorax. They usually, they, I, they 100% just do it because in the costume department, the prop bit at Doctor Who, they'll have a big fucking bucket full of Sycorax helmets. Like, fuck it, get one of them out, put one of them on. Makes no fucking sense. But it'd be cool to bring laziness, pure fucking laziness. You know what? I'd be happy to have the Sycorax turn up for every Christmas special from now on than the Daleks turning up for every New Year special. I'd rather have the cigarettes turn up every year. One second. Lean close to your microphone and say that all again. I'd much rather have... I, see, but I would prefer the cigarettes to appear again because they're cool. And plus, I'd be more happy to see the cigarettes appear every Christmas special from now on than the Daleks appearing 
in every New Year special, you know? Because it makes it makes the Daleks seem irrelevant and less important. Less important if you're only going to show them once a year in every New Year special. That's the message that it's coming across right now, you know. I mean, I, I actually think that the Daleks need to just they need to be completely redesigned, overhauled. They need to be made deadlier and scarier. I think they need to have like a complete massive overhaul to make them terrifying mm. because they've been so overused and the design has barely changed. They've, no, the they the most design changes we've had is in these New Year's specials. Yeah, there's one literally the Tin Dalek. Um, Which I, I still quite like. I don't, um, I don't like it. And then you get the, the Black Daleks uh, in the other special. Um, last year, I think it was last year's special. Yeah. And then um, you've had the ones with the Gatling guns on them, yeah. which I like. But it's it's other than that, they've not. They, it's yeah. just fucking paint one of them black. Yeah. You know what? Black with gold yeah. highlights. You know what they also should do is I think they need to ditch them completely for a couple of seasons, or se- you know, because they keep on. Yeah, appa- I, I apparently to... they won't because of like legal issues. Oh, for God's sake! But that's like the best way but, to make like do a complete redesign to like just leave them alone because that's what happened with the angels because the angels cool one-off specials like oh they're terrifying but then they kept on coming back coming back and they came less threatening yeah and more predictable and stuff like that they need to just leave some aliens alone and if you want to have that cool still menacing feel to them you know you, you gotta have to make a sacrifice you've gotta have to redo them because I totally agree with you, you know, they do need to have a re, re like redesign and everything and make them more threatening. Because at the moment, you know, you can't have... Any at the moment? At the moment, you can't have any more, you know, life-threatening stories with the Daleks. Because you just know, oh, by the end, it's all going to be fine, you know? Because we've seen them all before. A Dalek needs to kill a companion. Oh. I, that's the thing. They did it, like eight times in this episode so it's now that you could argue to say that they have you know what's fucking crazy about this episode right this episode because of the time loop you can just have the daleks kill the companions so easily however you want but there's still so many times in this episode where the daleks are shooting the lasers and they're missing the target i know well this is what we were saying like i remember on the call there's we were saying like is it beth like i love the minigun because they're able to shoot and you know have a chance of hitting their target you know it makes more sense for them to miss their target back in the days when they had that one zapper whereas this they've got a fucking minigun and so they have twice the amount of bullets so they should be able to hit their target but no I, uh. no they just keep missing and there's that there's that weird bit where nick gets killed and then sarah see i know the names now sarah runs off and then the Dalek catches up to her and then kills Sarah. Sarah didn't accomplish anything by running off, but as she's running off, the Dalek's shooting at her and missing. And it's like all that scene has done is made the Daleks look less effective I know. because she got away for a little bit. You know what it's slowly turning like, into? I think it's turning into... I've seen that one clip from the classic Doctor Who where they're literally being thrown out of windows and pushed over bridges and they just explode. Like, they're no longer meant to. Oh, yeah. They're literally just... They're going back to the original Daleks where they're less threatening and just pushovers they're easy to kill what happened to their force field that they had you know 
I think they still have Yeah, they it. should have a force field. They've put claws on them this time, but they didn't even yeah. use the claws. They made a big deal about this minigun, but what the hell was that other thing? We didn't see that in action. And it was the fact that they were like, oh, Doctor, you can't use your sonic screwdriver on our guns anymore. We've developed. We've when never did seen that. the Doctor... No. no. I don't remember a time when the Doctor stopped the guns with a sonic screwdriver. I don't remember that at any point. But- I, in fact, I think there's a scene with Peter Capaldi and Rusty, the the good, the quote unquote good Dalek, where the Doctor's like, "How can I know you can be trusted?" And the Dalek like ejects the gun. So clearly, the Doctor can't just use the sonic screwdriver because why would the Dalek have to reject the gun, like eject the gun from its body? There's just so it, much it, work it, to be done here. It was just such a weird reveal because they were like, "Ah, oh, we've learned from before." No. Before when? What do you mean? This is the other thing where I feel like the Sonic Screwdriver can literally do anything, and you know, it just helps moves the plot forward. You know, some days it it's, doesn't. It's work. Li- it's literally a magic wand, and I think mm. a lot of that is um, Moffat's fault because Moffat wanted when he took over Doctor Who, he turned Doctor Who into like a fairy tale, mm-hmm. and the Doctor became a wizard, and the Sonic Screwdriver was a magic wand, and it was all like a magic box and blah blah blah. And because it was a fairy tale, people treated it like a fairy tale. And even though now it's lost that fairy tale vibe, the sonic screwdriver is still a fucking magic wand. Mm-hmm. It's it's ridiculous. It's like with Spider Man, you know, with the web shooters and the web cartridges. Web cartridges, you know, it's a you got there, you got there, you thanks, did it in the end. Man. Thanks, man. And like, yes, it's it's an amazing tool that helps Spider Man. But at the same time, it has its flaws when he runs out and he's like, oh, shit, I've got to change my tactics and everything. It, there needs to be something like that with the sonic screwdriver because at the moment, it can do anything whatever, whenever it needs to be. Yeah. At the moment... It the used to get stopped by... Let me say that It used to get stopped by, like... The sonic screwdriver... Fuck me! The sonic The sonic screwdriver can be used for whatever it wants. Is that all you wanted to say? I'm going to just cut this out and say your fucking bit because I- <laughs> it used to be able to block. Be it used to be able to be blocked by wood. <laughs> oh, you got me fucking doing it now. Your fucking speech impediments catching. It used to get stopped by wood and a deadlock yeah, seal. Yeah. That was like its two weaknesses. But it's no. that's not really come up much lately. And I think it is just. I think it's. I think there's a scene in Flux where the Doctor who's called the Doctor, has to use a, a sonic screwdriver to check the life signs of someone. Just Doesn't, use your Doctor skills. I know. Um, like, I would believe it a wee bit more if the sonic screwdriver was actually made on Gallifrey or on a different planet, because this sonic screwdriver is just made on Earth from raw materials. You know, in the first episode, she's in, a like, an abandoned building yeah but it was made by the doctor still like the doctor's a genius like like i'm sure i'm I'm sure the doctor would be able to find the materials necessary but that makes that makes build the circuitry yeah but i mean i I, I don't know i feel like it should have been made entirely from like a different planet or something not just from earth i don't know i for me personally it just feels like oh if only you just need to be smart to make a screwdriver. Like it's actually possible to make one now. You just need to be smart. I don't know. I don't know if. I'm no, you need to be an alien. You need to be an alien. 
but then she I, do, I, I to be honest that, that argument I don't get because at the end of the day if she made it on Earth or made it on Gallifrey it, it's like but sure, they've never specified that you need a specific material to build a screwdriver true, true, so but, I, I mean yeah but I mean it does come across like I think it just makes more sense that there certainly needs to be some materials from her planet to make a sonic screwdriver work you know Nah, because then it gets a bit too much like lightsabers that need kyber crystals and shit like that. All right, okay. You got me there. I... I I do have you there. See, see, fuck you. Happy New Year. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we're gonna end it. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year. Go fuck yourself. Actually, it, before we do end it though, it's it's weird that Flux made a point where a bunch of the episodes were released on the day the story took yeah. place. 5th of December, Halloween, the 21st of November. And yet, um, this episode was released New Year's Day, takes place New Year's Eve. They had one job, they nailed it in flux, but no, it's gone to shit. And I thought, you know what, right? I wouldn't be surprised if the only reason they introduced the other two side characters is because they originally wanted Yaz and the Doctor to have a New Year's kiss. And then someone at the higher-ups told them they couldn't, so they gave the New Year's kiss to someone else. But they didn't, they didn't even kiss. I thought they did. Did they not have a moment when the fireworks? Did no, they not, no, no, like... The, the, all that happened was that they both looked into each other's eyes. They didn't kiss. Still, maybe that moment was supposed to be given to the Doctor and Yaz. So they <laughs> Instead, the doctor kind of gives Yaz a bit of like a death glare, like, oh, yeah, fuck, yeah, another one's in love around. with me. <laughs> Yaz doesn't even turn around, which I thought would have been, you know, an opportunity for them to kiss. I generally thought they were going to have a New Year's kiss because, you know, when Dan and Yaz were chatting, I was like, oh, it's going to end with them kissing on New Year's Eve. How lovely. But no. I don't know. I, I, it's exhausting. We, to be I, honest, I'd, I'd love an episode. It's way too late, but I'd love an episode where it's just Dan, the Doctor, and Yaz, and the Doctor and Yaz can actually explore their feelings for each other, but instead, we're not going to get that. Unless that's what the... If the centenary special <laughs> isn't a big, massive fucking blockbuster, if it is just like a little episode between the three of them, I'd be fucking over the moon. session, you know, with all the other Doctors appearing, giving their, their viewpoint. It's David Tennant going like, well... You know, I loved Rose, and look what happened at that. You know, maybe you know is, what, right? Maybe it's the Doctor. That would actually be re- fuck. That would actually be such a brilliant idea if the 60th anniversary. The right, I'm going to pitch an idea to you. Okay, Can so you contribute because I think we're on a similar path here. Right, we'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll see if we're on the same path because I think the 60th anniversary. Could be a multi-doctor story, but it's all the doctors giving the brand new doctor basically relationship advice. I was going to say the same thing, except it's all happening in her head. That they're not actually there. That it's all previous. You oh, you could do it in their head, yeah, like but that. I I think it would work better if say because like the doctor regenerates. Whatever's yeah. happened in the centenary happens. The doctor regenerates. Still a woman, but different personality. And Yaz and um, the Doctor, they've like just admitted their feelings for each other, but now they're going through this. 
they do the Christmas special, they have a Christmas special where they're like, they're still attracted to each other at least, but they don't know each other anymore. 60th anniversary comes around, they're trying to make it work, but it's not working. Through some weird time fucking shenanigans, they end up with the 10th Doctor, the 11th Doctor, um, the 12th Doctor, and the 13th Doctor, bring her back. Even though she's just gone, but bring her back. I don't want Because her back. each one of those... Sorry? I don't want the 13th back. I thought she was a bit... Mm. <laughs> yeah, I want her back. I do like it. But you could have each of them come back and they each talk about... Well, you probably could... Well, because the 13th Doctor wouldn't have had a lot of time with Yaz in a romantic sense, you probably, yeah, yeah. it wouldn't make sense to bring her back. But the 10th Doctor could talk to the current Doctor about his time with Rose and how that what that did to him and even though it was painful it you know was um was important and then you can have peter capaldi and matt smith reflect on their time with river song but also talk about how they affected other relationships peter capaldi can talk about like how clara and danny's relationship was affected because of him and matt smith can talk about how like oh there was like Amy and Rory and shit had issues because of him. And they could all, like, just... you Instead of a big multi-doctor story where they're all pointing their screwdrivers like fucking laser guns, they all just reflect on past experiences. So, and they set the new Doctor up to have, like, a romantic adventure fucking storyline with Yaz as the love interest. So and then, boom. The centenary episode is a counselling session. A, a, really, a couple no, of counselling sessions. <laughs> No, not the centenary episode, the 60th. Oh, the 60th. Sorry, not the centenary. But yeah, because I think that would be a much more interesting... Instead of like, oh, the world's going to end again, blah, blah, blah. I think it would be much more interesting if it's just the Doctor having an identity crisis. Doesn't know how to handle being in a relationship with someone who doesn't really know her anymore. And having her previous versions of herself giving her closure and helping her make decisions. And blah, 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 blah. But guess what? It's already been filmed. So. No, the 60th hasn't. Oh, the 60th hasn't? No. The 60th hasn't been filmed yet. No, no, no. So there's still time. We could pitch this. We need to get this trending. Do you think... Here's a weird question. Do you think if all the previous Doctors turn up, like David Tennant, Matt Smith and all that, and they meet uh, Jodie Whittaker... Would it be weird for them to be attracted to Jodie Whittaker? I knew that's where you were going to go. <laughs> I fucking I fucking knew that's where you were going to go. Oh, my fucking... Is it not well, I mean, there was that what? scene... There was that scene in Flux where the Doctor was attracted to herself. Yeah. So... And they're, they're, when the Master and Missy meet, there is, like... The Master keeps being like, is it weird that I'm into this? And Missy's like, yes, it is weird. Stop it. I don't know. I I don't. I could I could see David Tennant being attracted to Jodie Whittaker's Doctor because he was the more romantic, yeah. suave one, wasn't he? Um, was like the man child. Yeah. Why Why were you annoyed with my question? You seemed peeved. Because I was like, oh, of course you're going to go here. Of course you're going to fucking go here. I'm, I, I could hear it in your voice. I'm just, you know, I bet all our listeners are also answer- wanting this question answered and brought up and raised. So I'm just... This one didn't even fucking make the cut, Seth. Uh, <laughs> that's just rude. There's at least 
there's at least an hour and a half coming out of this podcast. <laughs> oh, I love how we were saying, like, oh, have we got enough to talk about for this episode? And, um, you know, knocked out of the park, really. I think what I'm going to do, this is another that's going to get cut out, but I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to it all. I'll do this all tomorrow. I'll listen to it all, and I will move things around. Okay. I'll make notes of what to cut. I'll make notes of what should get moved. And then that way I think it'll help because we kind of go back and forth a little bit. We really um, uh, which is fine. Um, so are we wrapping up now? Yeah, I think, um, yeah. So I was going to do... Like, you, can, my, you can start the wrap up. My original question was going to be, so like if you were in charge, what would be the three main things you would change about the episode? That's my question. So I'll give you time to think. Even though okay. we've already discussed it. I've got it. I've got it. Fantastic. So if you were Chris Chipnell's, you know, writer assistant. Ghostwriter. Ghostwriter. There you go. I knew there was a term there. It was, it was coming. <laughs> um, he, he handed you the script. You read it through. And you thought, right, there's some major issues we need to change here. What would you change to make this episode perfect? Just to nicely wrap up. I would get rid of the new side characters. Agreed. I think because I don't know if these companions are going to stay on with the RTD era, but because we have so little time left with these companions and we've already had so little time of these companions with the Doctor, I'd strip those two characters out and have this episode focus solely on the three of them. Good idea. I'd change the design of the Daleks. Yeah. And I'd change the reason they're there. Yeah. Um, I'd throw in a line about how uh, Warfleet was sent back in time, mm-hmm. fixing up that continuity. A Warfleet's been sent back, was sent back in time to uh, look for races that can be used as slaves or some fucking bullshit. Yeah. And then that army was destroyed, and these scout Daleks have been sent to find out the reason. Um, okay what happened to them and they've tracked the doctor down because no doubt she knows what happened to them. Um, and I'd have said it in again, one building, one location, maybe a hotel, maybe a resort, maybe a storage unit by accident or something, but I'd have it be just the three of them and they'd all go off in separate directions. And then that way you can have different scenes where different combinations of those three meet up with each other. Dan and the Doctor meet up, and the Dan and the Doctor can get to know each other. And as Dan and the Doctor get to know each other, Dan can be like, is there something going on with you and Yaz? And she's like, what What are you talking about? Same with Yaz and Dan. Yaz and Dan can be like, so, you're finally having to be with her because of blah, blah, blah. And then after that, you can have, like, Yaz and the Doctor actually interact, and you can see a little thing going on there. Ooh, what's going to happen? Easier to have focus on your main characters when you're not dealing with another fucking subplot. And then I guess the third thing I change is, um, I guess I kind of covered three things, didn't I? Yeah. yeah Let's yeah. say I did, fuck it. But either way, I agree with that. I think that would have been a better Is idea. that what you'd change as well? What would your three things be? My three things would definitely get rid of the, uh, three, char- the three side characters. Don't need them. Um, the three side characters? Uh, the two side characters, sorry. The Irish girl and the man. Oh, I suppose the mum was there as well. 
Or would you keep them on? <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm questioning whether she counts as one of the side... I mean, because, you know, I kind of forgot about her. Get rid of all the side characters. Um, but... Or no, actually. Maybe keep Sarah? Maybe. If you're going to keep the setting, keep Sarah, maybe. Um, have a better understanding of the time loop, you know, what we were discussing about earlier. You know, maybe hmm. keep it consistent, you know, instead of it just being all over the place. Um, hmm. That would be my two things. Um, I, I'd definitely agree with, you know, more more scenes with the companions and the Doctor fleshing out the relationship and the characters, because we hardly know Dan. Well, well, the Doctor hardly knows Dan. Um, so we need exactly. to know that. Um, but apart from that, I also fix the Daleks, you know, make them a wee bit more threatening. Get them to aim better so they actually hit their targets. You know, if you're going to introduce a minigun, make it deadlier instead of like... Yeah, write, uh, write reasons why they can avoid getting shot. Maybe they find some kind of shield, you know? Um, like... You don't just have to have it, oh, they ran away. You can write better than that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, apart from that, and obviously the stuff you brought up, um, yeah, I think there's definitely room for improvement. I'm still amazed that some people think it's a great episode. There's definitely flaws um, that need to be addressed, which we have covered, I think. Hopefully people will listen to this and go, you know what? I'm going to rewrite my review for The Times. I'm going to rewrite my tweet. About They'll all rally behind this podcast. Hopefully. And then Chris Chris Chipnell will listen and go, holy shit, this makes sense. Guys, we need to reshoot all the episodes we've made. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've won. we've won. Fuck, these two random people have made really good points. That's completely changed our centenary plans. Yeah, that's, that's when we've won. You know, we've won the Doctor Who battle. That'd be nice. That's, that's <laughs> the dream. That's the dream, man. Um, but yeah, this has been fun as always. Great chatting. Yeah, it's been good. It's been good, and we have a few months before the next um, the next episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. So in between, then, what are we talking about next week? Um, next week, I believe we're doing a wrap of all the films of and TV shows from twenty twenty one. A wrap up. A wrap. We're not like we're not like rapping a song. <laughs> Could we? No, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> no, but ne- next week we're going to do a wrap-up of all the shows and films from 2021. Are, are we going to do like our top five or something? Like, don't really know. I think, I think we should talk about the highest performing, the lowest performing, and then our top five among that. that you know. Good. So I think if we talk about like the ones that did the best the ones who did the worst and then we can also talk about like what our top five films were of the year individually um good. well that's what you're gonna have to look out for folks stay close to our social media instagram and twitter i've mentioned it before kate first and um, but yeah thanks for listening to the podcast and we will see you well we won't see you i'm gonna take that again uh, <laughs> No, we will see you. We've we've actually got a storage unit cataloging all of our listeners' household items. We've labelled it, and we only store them once a year for whatever reason, so we can stalk a woman. That's um. I didn't we know. wrote this episode of Doctor Who. It was based on our lives. I didn't know we were allowed. Seb's to life in particular. Oh, okay, I knew it was coming back to me. Um, <laughs> I mean, but yeah, uh, 
stay tuned for the next episode. Uh, thanks for. Did listening. you hear that noise? Yes. Fuck me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I actually had. I pulled the foot off of my microphone. You're an idiot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, uh, stay tuned for our next episode. Uh, look out for us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter. But thanks for listening to our podcast, and we will catch you in the not so distant future. <laughs>